Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watch a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. And 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 friends, it's a it's a new year. Uh, t- uh, same old noobs and knockouts. After long last, we are, we are here for the, the long promise beginning of this most prestigious of arcs and and my dear my dear friend dear co-host please enlighten us what what might this arc be yes so we are here at the, finally the finally. stuff that's on the background <laughs> two of my, separate delays yes and also the thing that's on the back of my wall is finally appropriate as, as oh shit on the back of my wall here is a we have the former uh yes movement t-shirt for daniel bryan that is that then that has now been commemorated as a as a as a uh wall piece as a piece on my wall it's and great. i always think it's che guevara for some reason i mean it's trying to emulate um like the barack obama yeah uh posters uh in in uh, style it's a work of art folks truly if only you mm-hmm. could hey those 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 watching the youtube you can see it isn't it nice to watch the yeah, youtube <laughs> it is uh check it out noobs and knockouts uh podcast on youtube on youtube hey 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 plugs go at the end of the show what the what are you what are you and, doing motherfucker what are you doing you fucking you fucking trying, trying to suit me trying to take my job over here yeah i have i have determined that you're a the you're the you are are not you can't you're just a b plus player and that i'm a b for what's what's best for business <laughs> is that i do the plugs now i'm too i'm i'm too i'm too ugly i'm too short i'm i got i got yep. the goat i got the goat face the, the yep that the, is exactly god, what i'm saying oof oof the god god damn this is it, it, i'm so sad why why must there be a precedent for for short ugly goat faced men to not to not get their chance in the spotlight austin that that is that, yes. is, a, that is an existential question that's on my mind and i have no idea how i'm gonna answer that mm-hmm. yes this arc is we are covering the road to wrestlemania 30 specifically daniel bryan's road to wrestlemania 30 uh the yes movement and that we have made some sly references that that uh, will make more sense as the show goes on. I know the 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 nice thing about learning more about the mm-hmm. world of wrestling is is I actually can make some of these sly references and feel very cool. Mm-hmm. And I can just hear two years ago David screaming, "What are you saying? What? Stop! Help!" Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel I feel so enlightened. Also, Austin, I must say, uh, we are we are. When you told me about the, this arc that we were doing, this special seven-episode arc, I, I got real. I'm not gonna. I got real excited. Daniel Bryan was one of my OG faves, thanks to this very show, and mm-hmm. I I've always felt for him as a performer. I've come to really, really respect him as a worker, mm-hmm. and knowing the the climb that it took him, both on screen and off to get to the position that he's in sounds glorious. And the fact that we're going to kind of watch that in full in some form or other is Mm -hmm. so deeply exciting to me. However, there was one thing I did not take into account uh, because dear folks, just it was either last night or just earlier today, 
Austin had to go and remind me that, that we are, um, uh, we're returning to, uh, let's say, an old tradition here on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Over the seven-episode arc, that we're in 2014, baby. Austin, Austin reminded me that we're going to be watching three-hour Raws, and I said, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> yeah, these episodes of Raw are longer than our pay-per-view supercuts that I will still be doing. Yeah. Uh, fantastic guys uh it, we can't be helped uh we made it through somehow the first episode of this podcast doing that oh uh, this is the next eight to nine months of my life folks mm -hmm. so i will say that i'll go ahead and talk a little bit about like the structure of this seven episode bit because it's not it's not it's not seven episodes in the traditional way we've i've structured the plots of these arcs like it's not like it's not like the ray mysterio uh eddie guerrero thing we've been doing that is six episodes of a, a full continuous storyline because i'll go mm -hmm. ahead and i will just go ahead and say it because we're not we're gonna skim over a lot of this part of it but basically daniel bryan's story is two separate parts that mm -hmm. wwe pretends is one big part <laughs> and so Okay, please elaborate. Basically, uh, I'll talk more about SummerSlam 2013 in a second as we go match by match from that pay-per-view. This Tonight, we're watching the episode of Raw after SummerSlam 2013. Okay. Uh, but at SummerSlam 2013, Daniel Bryan won the WWE Championship, and then Triple H, who was the guest referee at the time of the match, betrayed him and helped Randy Orton cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase to become WWE Champion instead. Uh, Daniel Bryan would have two more matches on pay-per-view against Randy Orton where he would beat Randy Orton for the title at Night of Champions, but then a technicality caused, forced him to vacate the title and have to have a rematch for it at Hell in a Cell where uh, Shawn Michaels, the special referee of that match, screwed Daniel Bryan to help Randy Orton win the belt. And... Jesus. From there, they kind of transitioned Daniel Bryan away from the title and away from the anti-authority storyline in general. Uh, they tried. Okay. This is this is during the infamous period where they tried to have other major baby faces, specifically the Big Show, do the Yes chant because the idea was the Yes chant was over, not Daniel. So we can just have any old baby face do yes, 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 and that work as an anti-authority uh, character beat. That wait, that that was an uh, that was an actual idea that someone had. That was an actual thought that crossed someone's brain. How do you have that thought without them immediately dying of a brain aneurysm? Well. That's an interesting, and somehow what? the writers in the WWE pulled it off. So, what type of moon logic tells you? Oh yeah, no, it's not the wrestler that's over; it's the chant. If we trip, what if we just took the chant and pushed it, pushed somewhere, it else? somewhere else? Yeah, that'll go it's, over fine with the fans. It's not like they have the a they developed a deep connection between that wrestler and that chant, and that it'll feel fake coming out of any other wrestler. What? It, it, I felt like I was going to talk I felt like I was going to talk about more of this the second episode of this and I I'll sure to reiterate it but yes this is 
this is a big part of what happened in fall 2013 is it, Daniel Bryan had his time and now we're going to have other guys fight Randy Orton for the title. What the shit? Why? Because despite what WWE would tell you, they did not in fact originally plan for Daniel Bryan to walk out of WrestleMania 30 with the title. Yeah. Well, obviously, because they, they had Orton screw him. Oh, no, that's so much no. Yeah, the initial plan was uh, that Dave Batista coming back uh, after quitting and starting to go into Hollywood, mm-hmm. he would come back and he would face Randy main event WrestleMania 30 against Randy Orton one-on-one. And Dave Batista was supposed to be the big conquering hero. And uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan was initially scheduled to wrestle Sheamus. Oh yeah, that that'll be a great match to to run back after Sheamus did like the ten second squash of him in twenty twelve. Yeah, see, see, it's got history. It's fine. It's yeah, yeah, enough. two two year old history that kind of fizzled out after that match. See, I don't. Yeah, it's fine. Uh huh. Okay. Sure. So after after his failed attempts at keeping the WWE title. Uh, he would proceed a multi-month storyline with the Wyatt family. Uh, and... Ah, uh, yes. That would culminate at the Royal Rumble. And then we have the Royal Rumble kerfuffle, where, as I like to call it, where sh- the fans were very committed to the idea that Daniel Bryan is about to enter the Royal Rumble and win the match. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he it's, and he doesn't and it's not that he doesn't even it's not even that he just doesn't win the rumble he's not even in, in the, the rumble. royal rumble mm-hmm. and this caused a big old stink and oh yeah wasn't this him, when like ray mysterio got booed for not yes. being daniel bryan number ray mysterio was number 30 in the 2014 royal rumble and the crowd booed the shit out of him for it because he was not Daniel Bryan. Oh no! So yeah, so yeah, Daniel Bryan was over as fuck at this. He was juncture. Uh, but thanks to this moment, as well as uh, I'll be let's be frank, CM Punk quitting and throwing the entire WrestleMania plans for the year out of out of commission, they eventually conceded and decided, okay. We're going to run with Daniel Bryan getting a match at WrestleMania and winning the title. And WWE, of course, pretends that this was all one great seven-month plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. It was not. It was very much not. They were, they fucking, they were so weird about Daniel Bryan backstage. Yeah, and I, I, I'm gonna save more remarks about that till we actually see it in actions. So this arc, we are not gonna spend a lot of time with the first half of this story because mm-hmm. it's not the real meat of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are gonna spend two episodes with the pre-Royal Rumble half. Okay. Uh, as as kind of a set piece, kind of set the stage. As, I, as there's a couple of things here that I think are important to contextualize the rest of the story. Makes sense. That's why we're doing that. Um, and then the last five episodes will be a bit more of a conventional 
way that we do an arc here following oh, in, five, yeah. in five episodes nice. yeah, yeah. nice She's got a little two-episode prologue. Okay, I can, yeah, I can get, I can get down with this. That's all right. So, um, are we, are we actually watching the Royal Rumble then? Yes. Oh, okay. we can't not watch the okay. Royal Rumble 2014. All right, cool. So then I, I will refrain from asking how the fuck it all goes down with Daniel Bryan not getting the Royal, not being in the Royal Rumble, but still having the WrestleMania match. I will refrain that question until we get there. Then, okay. Yes. Delight, we, will cover, we will cover how he gets his match at Mania. Cool. Yeah, so, but yeah, so, even, like, around SummerSlam 2013, at this point, Daniel Bryan is pretty fucking over, right? Yes, this is, this is kind of a, this itself is a culmination, a big culminating moment for Daniel Bryan, as he has been growing in fan support. The fans are getting way behind him as a babyface. And, he and is hell wrestling. knows. He basically knows. spends, it's, oh, hell no is kind of over. Okay. It's kind of amicably, amicably split by this point. And mm-hmm. now Daniel Bryan is just wrestling his ass off every week on Raw and the people are starting to really get behind him. The 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 way you described the end of the the end of Hell No is like an amicable amicable breakup makes me think of like that quote. I think I think I sent it to you where it's it, I can't remember who it was, but basically they were talking about kind of the backstage dynamic between Kane and Daniel Bryan where Daniel Bryan just really enjoyed like palling around with Kane and just always got a kick out of him no matter what. Uh, and Kane generally enjoyed Daniel Bryan's like presence and friendship, but also I think took some issue with uh with his difference in politics that that it, where where Daniel kind of didn't care that Kane was future annoying libertarian maker, mayor Glenn Jacobs. So I I just I, I'm just imagining giving Kane uh it's Kane giving Daniel Bryan a speech. Uh, it's 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 not you, it's not me. It's communism. <laughs> it's dirty. Com- it's, 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 but yeah, they don't real they don't really feud or anything. Yeah, they, no. They just kind of like go their separate ways. Yeah, absolutely. You can go your own way. Fuck. Wait. Shit. All right. One more. One more hypothetical. I now need a version of the fucking uh stevie nicks whoever else like breakup thing but with but with daniel bryan and kane uh the the fleetwood mac breakup thing (laughs) Uh, Um, where is daniel bryan kane's rumors album (laughs) i know i know where is where is daniel bryan acoustically singing you can go your own way absolutely god damn need it i need I i need that shit now I don't know who would be funnier to hear sing Daniel Bryan or Glenn Jacobs. That's that's a good question. <laughs> so this this is the night after SummerSlam 2013. So in tr- in a tradition of how I've done it on this podcast is uh. I will frame talking about where where the storylines have been around what happened on the pay per view. Delightful, delightful. Give give us give us that that, that delightful little rundown, boy. Sure. So the pay-per-view opened with Bray Wyatt in his very first match in main roster WWE. Ooh. He is just him and the Wyatt family with AK Luke Harper and Eric Rowan hey! have, have just come up to the main roster of WWE ah! from NXT. Oh, my boy. My 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 sweet boy Luke Harper. Oh, yeah. They're they're here. The Swamp Cult 
is all in now. Yes. Oh, that's so great. And, and they start by fighting Kane and kind of as, and they fight in a ring of fire match, which is what it sounds like. That's so sick. Wait, was it <laughs> three on one? No, it was one on one. Bray okay. Wyatt versus Bray Wy- Kane. Oh, Bray Wyatt versus Kane. Okay. Uh, and sadly, uh, they do not use the traditional Ring of Fire rules, which they don't use the Inferno match rules where Wait, you win by a, setting is, the other person on fire. Match, right? It is a the Inferno match where the goal where you wrestle and the ring is surrounded by fire uh except it is not the inferno match rules where you win by setting the other person on fire it is it was just a regular match but then you but you can't leave the ring because there's a fire because there's fire oh no wait have they had like normal inferno matches on wwe before yes Kane has been in all of them. <laughs> oh, of course, of course he, of course he has. How it's did, like, it does, has he ever? What? Did he ever lose any of them? Several. In fact, oh. he honestly loses more than he wins. Those. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's. I feel like setting Kane on fire is like trying to give the burn condition to a fire type Pokemon. I feel like that should just kind of not work. Well, it started from the it started from the Undertaker Kane feud, and it was uh, a, the decision was basically who is the person in a full body suit? Okay, he's the mm. one going on fire. Ah, uh, so so the same so the same thought process that went into in our in our in the TNA uh, death match episode we did death match we did last episode. Uh, who is wearing the most clothes that can get like thrown onto glass and tacks and shit? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. You know, we love we love the safety bonus points for actually being somewhat safe mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, but this was just a normal match, which Bray Wyatt won straight up. He defeated nice. Kane, and then after the match, uh, the Wyatts grabbed Kane, and uh, Bray Wyatt uh, took the steel chair, the steel steps into the ring, and bashed in Kane's head a couple of times. The f- Fuck! That's a, they are that's not, they a are here to show way. they are not fucking around. Oh my god, the swap cult rules so hard, dude. It does and why does pretty much everything getting... Bray Wyatt touched turn to gold, man? Because he's really good. He's really he's... creatively smart. He's so good. I I will say okay. So I um I'm, I'm I'm most certainly losing the bet I had with myself of. If uh, if Sasha Banks debuts in AEW, I'll fucking buy the next WWE pay-per-view. Uh, I will say, it seems as though there's going to be some culmination of all this shit I've been seeing about that Bray Wyatt's newest angle with fucking uh, LA Knight and probably Bo Dallas' Uncle Howdy. And I, if I get to see that in a pay-per-view, I'll, I'll think that's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. All right, so after that match, we had Cody Rhodes versus Damian Sandow. Against who? In so, uh, yes, Damian Sandow. I don't think you've actually seen him. I'm kind Sounds of like impressed. a jobber. He, mo- he, he was more than he wasn't, but okay. Oh. So Damian Sandow's original gimmick was the intellectual savior of the masses, 
where his gimmick was, I'm smart and say big words and you're all stupid, but I'm Wait, making you smarter like, by my mere presence. Is this like the other half of the Rhodes Scholars? Yes, it is actually. Oh, This okay. is actually the culmination of the Rhodes Scholars imploding. Uh, as, okay. if you can, as if you can believe it, Damien Sandow has the money in the bank briefcase. The fuck? Yeah, this is the peak for Damien Sandow. He will man. he is destined to become the first man to ever lose his cash in match. As what? he will as he will attempt to cash in on John Cena, the world heavyweight champion, and despite the fact that Cena had a kayfabe injured arm, LOL, Cena wins. <laughs> shit you know sometimes sometimes i i, I just kind of like i i i hear about or i think about like the booking on like brock lesnar or roman reigns nowadays and i do a little smh in my head of how ridiculous their power levels can be it's easy to forget this day and age just how fucked cena's power levels were too that he could pull some shit like that because again he was so fucking over and sold so much goddamn yep. merchandise oh no man my man damien the briefest of moments thought he was gonna be the Shawn michaels of the road scholars oh no no no, no. He, he almost was for the briefest moment for the briefest no. well i i bet when when he was when he was told he was getting booked to win money in the bank he got he got so excited. He like called his whole fucking family. He's like, "All right, my career's finally taken off. Fuck this Cody loser. He's he ain't gonna amount to shit." <laughs> and now, yeah. And now, well, oh no. Now, oh poor uh, guy. But so, Damian Sandow basically tr uh, treat. Uh, he basically cheat. He basically like cost Cody Rhodes money in the bank to win the match. And so that was the betray. That was kind of like what caused the dissolution of the group. And Cody, in retaliation, uh, threw the money in the bank briefcase in a river. <laughs> and so, uh, yes. and he so was, he Damian was watching Sandow, his old Stone Cold tapes. Sure. And so Damian Sandow's carrying around this like nice brown leather briefcase as a replacement now. That's the most Rhodes Scholar thing to do. So at least it's on brand, but oh my God, what a yeah. fucking dweeb. Yep. And speaking of dweebs, Cody Rhodes wins the match. Good. Yeah. There is a long, there's a long history of, I, I plotted this out once. I don't know. I, I'll probably, I'd probably have to dig up my statistics on it. I literally wrote this up once, but basically WWE is super okay with like having the money in the bank wrestler lose a lot before mm -hmm. they cash in as a means to as basically a thought of like they're going to be world champions soon we don't have to protect them except that also makes them look like chumps yeah before they become world champion yeah because like i fucking well because that's the whole thing is like half the time they're, they're heels who are cashing in on an injured motherfucker. And it feels like half the time, like, they just kind of end up being transitional champs anyway. Like, who the fuck yeah. has actually become a permanent champ based on, or, you know, a, as permanent as who? you can be as champ, ba based on winning money in the bank? Uh, like, Randy Orton, clearly. But other than that, okay. like... Well, actually, I, I'm gonna, I actually want to look this up now. Like, 
who won and would I argue what what was what who was elevated to the top level status by winning money in the bank and winning the title? Yeah. Uh Edge, the original. That was his oh. breakthrough. Well, yeah, because it's the because of the OG before they flanderized right. the fuck out of that briefcase. Uh RVD never reaches that spot again, though, to be fair. A lot of that was probably because he got busted for the weed. And oh. WB was like, we can never trust you again. The stoner guy getting being busted for being a stoner? No way. And see, then, Ed, then uh, they gave the briefcase to Mr. Kennedy, but Wonka Wonka Edge ended up cashing that one in. <laughs> so that says to look how that went. Yeah, uh, I think that I you see. That. This was CM Punk's. CM Punk, his first two world titles in the WWE came from Money in the Bank in 2008 and 2009. But oh, uh, I don't I don't think either of those would be considered like... Most people don't consider that his breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, though it did give him credibility as a former world champion. Uh, Jack Swagger didn't mean shit. Mm -hmm. uh, Kane, he was already a former world champion and it also didn't mean shit. Mm -hmm. um the miz he that was his only world title for like a decade but Jesus. that did elevate him to being a top guy it did elevate him to becoming a guy who like they can put in the main event every once in a while you know that's fair uh alberto del rio uh <laughs> he had already he had all he had already won royal the royal rumble as well and yet also this did nothing for del rio we've seen that one hey uh, Daniel Bryan, sure. Yeah, we're here. Sure, sure. Uh, John Cena, already a bazillion-time world champion. God. Dolph Ziggler, could have been, didn't. Randy Orton, uh, already a multi-time world champion. Damian Sandow, no, especially because <laughs> he lost. Seth sure. Rollins, yes. that was This was his big elevating moment. Uh, Sheamus already a multiple time world champion, so I'm gonna say no. Really? Uh, uh as just, like elevated that high at that point. Uh, Sheamus beat John Cena for the WWE title within like a year or two of his debut in 2000. They pushed him to the fucking moon to start. Wow. Uh, Dean Ambrose. So then Dean Ambrose. Yeah, I'll say that was his elevation to being a world champion. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Baron, hey, Corbin Baron Corbin lost. Uh, Braun Strowman lost. Brock Lesnar, no. He was already a bazillion-time champion. Yeah, really. The Miz, the Miz, we already just talked about him. Mm -hmm. uh, Big E, yes. Austin oh, Theory, L Austin Theory, LOL, get fucked. They, he not only he not he not only cashed in on the U.S. championship, he also lost. What so the fuck? get absolutely jabronied. What? what the fuck is that booking? Uh, that booking is Vince McMahon was super high on Austin Theory, and Triple H is not. Oh no. That's real. Why doesn't Triple H like Austin Theory? I don't know, but he clearly doesn't like him as much as Vince did. Yeah, uh, so it gets shit on. And then for the women, Carmella, sure, though she hasn't really. Mm, I guess she hasn't really repeated since. So I don't. 
It's like, mm, maybe. Alexa Bliss, she already had been a pretty top-level person in 2018. Bailey, sure, yeah, this is a big one for her. Uh, Nikki oh, ASH, yeah. no. <laughs> Liv, Liv Morgan, no. Just for someone who beat Ronda Rousey, also no. Oof. So... It's very up and down, the history of Money in the Bank and how much, who gets elevated from it and who doesn't. It feels a mite more like down slash neutral than it does up, I, I must say. I I would agree with that. Uh, also, but, holy shit, The Miz has only been champ twice and for a collective yeah. period of time that's less than a year? Wow. That's yeah, he, he's Yeah, he's always been a guy they trust to be in the main event scene, but not a guy to be champion. That's weird to me because I feel like the Miz could like he's got the star power to be a like I know, the, I know he is the slimiest sleaziest heel champion imaginable. Oh uh, well, act- MJF, but yeah, yeah, but well, I mean MJF gets treated like he's a big deal as a wrestler. The Miz, when he was WWE champion, had competitive matches with Jerry Lawler for the title. So yeah, no, but what I'm saying, like, I feel like nowadays, mm-hmm. like, people fucking love the Miz. Like, I feel like he could, you could push him for a legit championship run. You, I think that's you so bizarre to me. You could, but okay, back to what you're basically yeah. all this to say. Uh, Damian Sandow is not one of those getting elevated by Money in the Bank, and mm-hmm. him losing to Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam only kind of furthers the point. Okay. That fuck you, man. This ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't it, Chief. All right, then, for the World Heavyweight Championship, uh, champion Alberto Del Rio defeated Christian. Oh, Christ. It was kind of a nothing story. It was just Christian being like, I want to be world champion one more time. And Del Rio being no, Del Rio, and then he won each shit and no. died. Yeah. Yeah, this ben, is this is have... post making Alberto Del Rio the cloniest of all the clowns. Mm-hmm. And then Natalia beat Brie Bella in what was essentially a Total Divas advertising match. As oh, no. it was like six of the seven women from the first season of Total Divas were in this were involved in this match. It was Brie Bella, Nikki Bella, and Eva Marie, and Natalia, Naomi, and Cameron. So of the, the to Funkadactyls, and so, hurrah! Uh, Hooray! This match, this match famously, the crowd gave so much of a shit about it. They chanted for all three commentators. They started chanting for JBL, then they chanted for Michael Cole, then they chanted for Jerry Lawler. That is how much they cared. Oh no! Wait, isn't it? But isn't like at this point total divas thought of pretty fondly it is look back it is looked back on as good for an e network reality show which means most wrestling fans don't enjoy it okay that's fair but it's also acknowledged as being like it is actually a good gateway to get like non-white male demographics into wrestling (laughs) yeah which of course means that the predominantly white and male audience that shows up at SummerSlam, at SummerSlam could not give not. less of a fuck yeah. about the Total Divas match. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, then we had Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk in a no DQ match. Brock Uh-oh. won. It was 25 minutes. It was sick. 
It yeah. was basically a CM Punk is not being a dirty bastard anymore. So Paul Heyman's like, yeah, screw, I'm not going to manage you anymore. Paul Heyman caught Paul Heyman cost CM Punk money in the bank. And then Brock Lesnar showed up on Raw and beat up CM Punk. Oh my god. Dude, fucking I, I I'm imagining like the contract you have to sign to be managed by Paul Heyman. One of the clauses is must act like a dirty bastard. You you mm. have like a you have a dirty bastard quota that you have to meet, and if not, like your contract's considered null and void. You're done. Heyman. Yeah, you're I can done. See it. You're done. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, so it was a really good match. This is pre-streak Brock Lesnar. So they're leaning in really hard on how much of an MMA guy he is. Uh, <laughs> he had that, which means he spends very a very long time working an arm bar. <laughs> okay. Because he because he's an MMA guy who knows submissions. Uh-huh. He knows submissions. He's a tech- and it's like he is a technical a wrestler. Guys. And whereas whereas now he's just like. He will flick you and you will die. Yeah, which admittedly is a better use of his talents. But he also has be- he also has actual competitive matches in 2013. Yeah, and not just... He- he's allowed to have competitive matches against people whose whose names don't rhyme with Roman... Fucking Broman brains. I don't know. Yep. Pretty much. Uh... Um, and then we get Dolph Ziggler and Caitlin versus defeating Big E Langston and AJ Lee. Uh, basically, AJ Lee dumped Dolph Ziggler for being a big losery bitch. This <laughs> was a way to basically they wanted to turn Based. Dolph Ziggler babyface, but keep AJ Lee heel. So oh, really? they're like, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> Wait, why is AJ Lee involved with Dolph Ziggler? Because she turned heel by helping Dolph Ziggler beat Steel Money in the Bank from John Cena back in 2012. Remember when I was talking about AJ and Dolph in the 2012 Christmas episode? No, I don't remember that super well. I just I, the, the the female connection I remember Dolph Ziggler having is 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 Vicky. Fair. Uh, it's the more it's the more famous one anyway. Uh, but basically, uh, in 2012. AJ was was macking on John Cena for a hot second. Oh then, yeah, this shit. Yeah. And then she betrayed Cena for Ziggler turning her heel and now she is the win- the Divas champion and she's still heel but Ziggler is getting is kind of becoming an organic baby face to the fans so they're like we're going to lean into that. So That's we so got to get him so we got to get him away from AJ. And so they do. And Biggie Langston is still in the worst version of himself. A silent heel bodyguard. That is a horrible use of your Biggie. What the fuck are you doing? Well, what happened is Vince McMahon saw Biggie Langston and didn't watch NXT. Therefore, he's like, I know exactly what to do with you, pal. <laughs> Big beefy black guy? Uh, yes, bodyguard. Yeah, he is, he's, he's, a, he's a heavy thing. He's a heavy. That's this. He's 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 a big muscular. He's got to be the heavy. Wait, he can't be funny or talk or nothing. Wait. So what? How how long until New Day happens? Twenty mid. I think mid twenty fourteen. Late twenty fourteen is oh, when shit. the New Day hooks up. And I know they're heels to start, but like still, it's a at least that's a that's a better use of your Big E. 
It is. It wasn't until the new day where Biggie's personality was actually actively used on WWE main roster, which is insane because on NXT he was his charismatic good guy self. Yeah, which is which is how Biggie is supposed to be. Been doing anything else? Just it, no. That's objectively incorrect. What the fuck? Not letting Biggie talk is not is like. Not letting Hulk Hogan hit the 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 boot and the leg drop and the one two three like that that like you're you're depriving him of his whole thing right that what the fuck are you doing? Ah, who could say? Christ. Yep. And then Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. John Cena was the WWE champion, and he was given the opportunity to pick his own challenger for SummerSlam. And he picked Daniel Bryan, feeling Ooh. he's he basically was like he sees how the crowd feels about Daniel Bryan. He knows Dan, how good Daniel Bryan is, and he wants to let Daniel Bryan have his shot. Man, and you then know, Vince, Vince's people meme on John Cena. What a fucking guy! Mm-hmm. And then Vince McMahon walked in and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This guy is short. He's ugly." And I don't want him to be champion. Uh, fun fact, both those things, that, that thing happened, that Vince McMahon said that both in and out of kayfabe. We'll get, we'll get more into that in the back half. Yes. But um, yeah, yeah, so initially in the lead up to this match, it's J- Vince McMahon kind of playing the you don't, you ain't got what you, you don't have the right image to be a WWE champion. Mm-hmm. And you and there were like skits of him trying to like force Daniel Bryan to wear a, good, a nice suit and shave his beard off. And Daniel Bryan is like, "No, fuck you. I'm doing it as me." Man, why was Daniel Bryan ever a heel again? <laughs> okay, after the shitty abusive ex boyfriend thing with AJ Lee was done, why was he ever a heel ever the fuck again? He it's it's the rest of his time in, in in the Fed is why are you booing him? He's right. Basically, but occasionally he was considered the bad guy for it. Ugh. Uh so then Triple H comes to the set to the day and he's like, nah, I think I think Daniel Bryan is the future of the WWE face. Face. Yeah. So so Triple H basically Vince McMahon tried to install a puppet G bad um uh referee here uh brad maddox who is the current raw general manager you'll remember him as being vicky's beleaguered assistant on our first episode oh hey that guy the beleaguered yeah, now- assistant to the beleaguered assistant yes and so he is currently the raw general manager and v- he and vince was going to make him the special referee to screw daniel and triple h was like no no you need an impartial referee and I'll do it. That's of course. And it was great until SummerSlam when Triple H betrayed Daniel Bryan after the match. Which I will say, Daniel Bryan beat John Cena clean as a whistle. He Yeah, that's not actually... right. And then after the match, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, Randy Orton walked down to the ring with money in the bank, teased he was going to do it, teased he was going to walk away, and then Triple H pedigree Boom, cash in money in the bank. One, two, three. <sighs> because what Triple H Triple Triple H didn't care about Daniel Bryan. He just wanted to install a different f- 
face of the company. Ah, I see. Randy Orton. Yeah. The why? Why wasn't he? Why was he trying to like? Oh, I guess like he. I, no. Why the fuck was he trying to front it with Vince then? Like, just say you want Orton. Because, at the top. why are you trying to front front it with DB? Well, the implication is oh well, the implication is obviously he was in on it with Vince, but then oh. uh to screw with Daniel because fuck you, that's why. Yeah, pretty much. This is just another McMahon family scheme. It doesn't necessarily have to make sense or be sufficiently simplistic. It's just a McMahon family <laughs> plot. I feel like in order to be a McMahon family plot, it has to have a few like completely unnecessarily convolutions thrown in there. Oh, it's absolutely. Their signature move. Yeah, they can't just have a straightforward plot. There's got to be convoluted twists and turns. Absolutely. I've got, I've got a plan. And it involves a sledgehammer, three boxes of chocolates, and a monkey. You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> Dude, fucking I was I was hanging out with with uh with my brother and with Daniel on Christmas, and I was I we were Daniel Daniel and I were joking about something, and I I, I did something in like a vague Vince voice, and he goes like that's your Vince voice. And I've been so self-conscious about my Vince voice ever since. I'm like, Oh no. Oh God. I, gotta well, I, mean, step well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's like multiple Vince voices because there are multiple like his, Vince voices. There is like his professional low key. His low key professional voice is like, ah, ah his like yeah. announcer voice. There is, there is like, I'm a McMahon who's going insane voice. Like when he's, when he's here, he's get up here. He's get up. Ah. When like, you when you need when you basically need a, a a dog to translate for you into English. Yeah, yeah. Like there's it's there's multiple there's, there's multiple Vince voices and and ways to impersonate Vince McMahon. This is true. This is true. I I I feel like low key Vince is is definitely like is definitely like uh, a tricky one to get. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas whereas barking Vince is a little more like everyone kind of like get there. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So Randy Orton is the new WWE champion. Uh and tonight is the debut of the authority. I'll just go ahead and say that now of Triple H, which is Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, essentially. Delightful. They you will respect their authority. Mm-hmm. And they will definitely not overstay their welcome at all. Not at all. What are you talking about? Everyone loves tri Trips and Stephanie. That 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 act has never gotten weirder overwrought ever. So let's just keep pushing it until the end of time. Yep. So, uh, if you would like to watch along with us, we're doing it on Peacock again. It is the I will check the date August nineteenth, two thousand and thirteen episode of Monday Night Raw. Mm. Uh. It's on Peacock, you know, WWE streaming service. You know the dealy deals. And so we will be back in the second half to talk about uh, the night after SummerSlam. Hell yeah, brother. And we are back. We have just finished the August 19th, 2013 episode of Monday Night Raw. All three hours. Oh my god. Well, all two hours and 20 minutes and it still felt like a fucking eternity. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, I'm so happy I don't watch Raw, dude. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. A lot. Especially when you're not connected to 
anything that's happening. I apologize that you are not as jazzed about this as I am right now, because I feel like this is this is this real sweet spot. Finally, wrestling I'm both nostalgic about and don't feel embarrassed to show other people. I will say, this is not bad like this is pretty on par to me aside from like kind of the lack of work rate this is this is pretty on par to me with like a standard episode of of dynamite just plus 35 fucking minutes yeah it's a lot i accept i agree that i don't i'm not gonna love that element of it uh yeah go forward so like eh, it's fine It's 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 fine. I just don't have any connection to anything that's going on right now. And I'm not like terribly impressed with the work. It's not bad. I'm just not like terribly impressed with it. Sure, sure. I'm just very excited to talk about the beginning of the show and the end of the show, which is yeah. technically what we came for here anyway. Yeah. Motherfuckers got me watching three hour raws only for the first and last segments to be important. Hey, those those took up those took up like forty minutes. Of yeah, the why the fuck so, were those know. so long winded, dude? You've clearly forgotten what that first episode of Raw we watched is like. Yeah, they got no. they gotta we gotta fill time. We gotta talk and talk and talk. By having people blow the eight. Yeah, I mean valid. I why why have more wrestling on your wrestling show and you just have more talking instead? It's true. All right, let's get her started uh, yeah. with the summer. I, I will explain. I will explain why we picked this episode of Raw specifically, though. I think David could pretty easy could probably. I mean, it's, yeah, it, feel like it, it feels pretty self evident, right? Like, but yeah, I will explain for the people at home who haven't who are not watching along with us. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but we open with a SummerSlam recap of the main two matches. Uh, it's it's kind of whatever. It's amusing to watch these pay-per-view recaps in the era where they are literally selling pay-per-views. So, like, you get, like, slow-motion video and and screenshots and important moments you get audio only. Like, the pin where Daniel Bryan beats John Cena is a black, a black screen with the one, two, three fan count. Yeah, dude, it's... the. They are they are making real sure that you gotta pay to see to those see moments. The good shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, which is which makes what something that happens in a little bit on this show really fucking funny. But they, yeah. stingy businessman Vince is that is that his fullest power here? Yeah. I, well, that's not totally stingy. I think there's I think some of it is agreements with like uh, pay-per-view providers, especially because they they would have been selling. Uh, they don't advertise it here like they do. They did back in like the Attitude Era, but they would they, they do sell like replay rerun oh, pay-per-views. Really? Yeah. Like that was the thing back in the Attitude Era is is the Monday after the T pay per view they'd always hype like tomorrow night you can buy the pay you can get a you can buy a rerun of this past Sunday's pay per view. Man, back when pay per view really did mean pay per view. Yep, hundred percent. Not 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 the not these days in the in the good old days of yo ho yo ho world. 
Well, that's why they've changed the name also to premium live events is what they are officially designating. These are PLEs, PLEs. which which I refuse to change my language on. They are always those don't those don't got quite the same ring to them. I must say. Mm -hmm. Uh, So John Cena comes out to open the show. Uh, Immediately you hear booze in the crowd and it's not going to get better for him either for the rest of the show immediate like vitriol for cena which is hilarious and Mm -hmm. cena comes out and he gets on the mic and he goes yeah i agree with all of you i also fucking hate myself cena sucks cena Cena sucks yeah cena's basically just just joining out on the cena sucks chant like you know bold bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off yeah uh he, he tries to, he starts describing what happened and he goes, when I was WWE champion and everyone's going, boo. Ah, uh, yes. A thing people love being reminded of John Cena's interminable reign as WWE champion. Yeah. So what he was saying is that when he was WWE champion, he wanted to make sure that the next guy who was champion earned it. And- earned this. Yeah, and this is when I noticed that John Cena has a massive shiner. Oh my god, yeah. He, like, takes off his hat. He doffs his hat in this really, like, dramatic way. You just see, like, Mm -hmm. blue underneath one of his eyes. You're like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. So John Cena admits he does not usually see eye-to-eye with Daniel Bryan. That was a part of the feud I didn't really mention in the front half, is they did lean into uh, the Daniel Bryan be like, I'm a real wrestler. Yeah, and stuff, you, which, John Cena, you're just a showboat, whatever. Which I always hate. I don't. I don't want to like bloviate some more about how uh, the pipe bomb is the, my platonic ideal of a for of a of a uh, work shoot. But uh, John, but CM Punk very specifically doesn't say that John Cena is a bad wrestler. He says that he's better than Cena and yeah. the this stuff that starts here with daniel actually that's not fair in 2005 when cena was first coming up wwe tried to also play into like online criticism of john cena and call him a bad wrestler uh but daniel bryan's the first like indie dude who ever said it uh and mm-hmm him being like i wrestled in armories and and bingo halls which is always how they call indies no matter the fact that you know tna and roh ran arenas before too not yeah. often mind you but they well, have no, but they have run arenas yeah but whatever and him being like i'm a real wrestler not a sports entertainer john oh my and it's god like, this is- this is fucking stupid because in kayfabe, John Cena legit has won the title 10 goddamn times. He is a yeah. good wrestler by definition. Shut the yeah, fuck no. up. That that shit's that shit's always a little that shit's always a little weird. Um I I I, I will say though, I imagine DB had to cut all those promos without actually saying the word wrestling, though, correct? No, he did. They, they let Wait. him be like, I'm a real wrestler. They let Wait, him say what? That. I thought they used, at this point they, the they let they let they let Daniel Bryan say it. Nobody else can. They let Daniel Bryan say it as a character beat for him. They can't say it otherwise. Jesus Christ, that's a wild, that's a wild stop to put on your moratorium against the word wrestling. It's just to give it to Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. 
God damn. Uh, but, but Cena talks about how he respects him and, mm-hmm. you know, he, Brian earned it last night. And this is when Cena reveals that like the match almost didn't happen because two weeks yeah. ago, and he points out this big fucking bump he's got on his <laughs> tricep. God. It's, it's yeah. so gross. And then I can't stop looking at it. Cena's having, a wa- Cena's having a wild one. He tells the crowd to stop being racist to Daniel Bryan. And because he's like, well, because because John Cena's like, I vowed to to give a chance to 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 give a fair shake to anyone who wants to enter this ring, no matter their their race, creed, nationality, whatever. And it's which of course, and which is a funny thing to say for a dude for a white male facing off like the whitest malest dude. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he tells the crowd to stop being racist at Daniel Bryan, and then like lifts up his shoulder to show this fucking just massive skin bubble on his elbow. What? <laughs> he should, yeah. This disgusting ass elbow blister. He's like, yeah, no, I got like a torn tricep or something. It just leaked fluid yeah. down to my elbow. Yeah, so he has a torn tricep. He has a torn tricep. He learned this two weeks ago, and the doctors were like, "Okay, cancel the match." And he's like, "No, no." But he makes sure to say that this is not an excuse. Daniel Bryan won a clean, fair fight, but you he know, also has to go have surgery, and he'll be gone. You know, I, I understand in theory why Cena was so disliked but like goddamn in this promo especially as it goes on he comes off as like so likable and so agreeable and like the most level-headed motherfucker you'll probably hear on the mic all night and yet people still despise him and man and admittedly in 20 admittedly in 2013 a lot of it is residual at this point like it's a bit like this has been eight goddamn years of this we're just gonna keep going yeah it's true to, true to, why why do we still Bucina in 2013 i'll tell you i don't know but it's a tradition i mean it is eventually like basically as soon as he like starts going away on a regular basis and coming back then everyone stops booing him as hard you know what because Good. it's he's, this is delightful uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, so he's so he's talking about he's talking about how he made sure he was he still put up that fight for DB, and mm-hmm. and then he talks about. Uh, but then when I came to with this massive shiner and I was putting a a, a ribeye steak on it, and I'm like, of of goddamn course, seen as one of those motherfuckers that actually like puts a cold raw steak yeah. on his black eye. Oh, like, I, I, like before before you, before you continue that, I do want to say that uh, I wrote a note of when he announced that he has to leave, he has to go have surgery. He says tonight <laughs> I leave the WWE. Huge cheers, and people start doing the yes chant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone's everyone's super into it. But yeah, but. No, like, fighting back from Cena or anything. He's like, yeah, no, all right, I'll get out of your hair. Uh, everyone, please welcome Daniel Bryan, please. And mm-hmm. DB comes out, and Cena just, like, wordlessly hands in the mic and then wordlessly steps out of the ring. And, like, goddamn, like, I know, like, I know that WWE in 2013 did not have people pitching their own shit, but... I do feel like this is a genuine Cena moment of just like mm-hmm. graciously putting over another dude. Like, yeah, like he's wholesome, like, especially in a situation where John Cena is about to leave. This yeah. is like him 
con- telling the audience, especially the audience, specifically the audience that likes that does like Cena, mm-hmm. that like this is your new hero while I'm gone. Yup. Yeah, it's it's really gracious and actually kind of kind of wholesome, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And DB like grabs the mic, and before he can say a word, Stephanie comes out. Style and grace. And welcome to the Queen Dom. Queen Dom. Is her theme song fucking ripping off the Donkey Kong rap? How dare they? Uh, of course. And so, Stephanie McMahon. So, okay. Uh, before we get here, I'll go ahead and preface. Obviously, the number one reason that I picked this episode to be part one of two of the prologue of the story <laughs> is basically this is the villain or this is the villain motivation episode. If you want to yes. know the mo- you want to know the philosophical underpinnings of the authority both in terms of honestly Daniel Bryan's story and overall mm-hmm. this episode covers it. And I'll and I'll I'll be honest, maybe it's because I have forgotten what these things these promos have looked like, have sounded like every week for mm-hmm. years. Maybe it's nostalgia. But I loved every minute of Stephanie McMahon and Triple H tonight. I pretty much did. Like, I didn't like kind of how long-winded they were, but I think that might just be a bias thing, because I'm sure, like, if I were to watch mm-hmm. it... I, I've, I'm i trying to be in this arc specifically, because I know how close we are. Like, I can't... I I, 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 ha- I have to be very conscious, I feel like, of, of my biases here, of, like what I would let dynamite get away with versus what I would let raw get away with. So I, I'm sure, being, sure. Be, so like, I kind of get annoyed with how long winded it is, but I'm sure like there are plenty of like AEW stars that, that could go on like this, but I don't know. It like their, their, their speeches trips, especially felt like kind of like slow paced and low energy, which was kind of a markdown in it for me. But like overall, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Stephanie shows up and she kind of, she apologizes on behalf of her husband and his and his like power moves for the she, company. Yeah, she hopes that Daniel understands that Triple H is the COO and he was only doing what was best for business. Yeah, and Remember the entire crowd that phrase forever. <laughs> yeah, and the entire crowd is booing her, and Daniel Bryan looks at this entire crowd booing her, chanting his name, and goes. Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and then, and then Daniel Bryan goes. Also, Stephanie, you smell like shit. Yeah. Okay. So first, he said he like he he says he expected what happened last night from you, Stephanie. Mm. He did. He expects it from Vince, but from Triple H, uh, a little bit of a weird revisionist take on Triple H here. But you know, Triple H was a rebel. He was the leader mm. of Degeneration X, man. And now he's gone corporate. He's wearing a suit and he's got a corporate haircut. I feel like DP's missing the part where Triple H always has been and always will be a motherfucking snake. Yep, but you know, gotta tell a story here. Gotta tell a story and, here, so yeah. And he, yeah, he says that he gives Stephanie the much less rude version he he basically does an offshoot of when you lie down with dogs you end up you you get fleas where he says when you lie down with trash you end up stinking yeah 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 like i said daniel bryan says stephanie you smell like shit and stephanie comes back with Mm -hmm. well you smell like short 
And Stephanie says this graciously is gonna let that whole thing slide and, uh -huh. and not let it go. And Daniel They're goes, Hey everyone, Daniel. look at that. Cheer for Stephanie. She said she's gonna let it go. Yeah, he take he take he takes that about as well as you would expect. Yeah, he, he goes, what are you going to do, fire me? I'll go back to wrestling in armories. I'm not afraid of being fired. Dude, he he's so, he's so fucking cool. Daniel Bryan, once he stopped being the world's most obnoxious douchebag, God, he's so cool. And he remains cool a, a decade later. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit, dude. This man's got so much fucking natural swagger. He's just so cool. Yep. So Daniel Bryan swears that, like, he gets it. He's about to get fired tonight. But mm -hmm. before he goes, he is going to kick Triple H or Randy Orton's ass. And Stephanie's like, no, no one wants you fired, Daniel. You're very, you're all worked up. Your anger management issues are really... Oh, a problem here but you are very valued here daniel you make but us I money need, but i need to manage your expectations not i wrote down this quote for quote because it's it's the most important quote of the entire episode uh, -huh. uh not everyone can be wwe championship material you're what five eight two hundred pounds she kind of looks at his face he's like and eh, we can't all be supermodels. And she's like, but you're you're good. You're you're written. The fans really like you. And you know, you might not be an A, but you are a B plus. A solid B plus. A solid B plus. As if that's like a consolation. Mm -hmm. So that and that is the onus of it all is that Daniel Bryan is simply not WWE championship material. He is just a little too short and a little too small and a little too ugly. But yeah. he's, he's a good, but he's a good wrestler. The people like him, so that you know he's he's a B plus player. He 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 is a good hand, and we he is valued by the WWE. Yeah. Stephanie's and, like you're you're ugly as sin, but goddamn those yes shirts sell sell like hotcakes, and like. This honestly, I is the underpinning of why this angle got, I think, got as hot as it did, is because it this angle felt like the WWE was the authority was just saying what everyone backstage in WWE thinks about Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And that and that resonated with fans as like this isn't just like fictionally they're fucking with Daniel. This feels like IRA. This is feels like real shit's happening right now because well, it, yeah, conform, like, it conforms to our expectations of what WWE actually thinks about. Yeah, because to fans, and I mean, hell, even to me, no, like mm -hmm. having the opinions I do about the people who run WWE, it just kind of feels like they in kayfabe let their fictional versions of themselves say the quiet part out loud, and that's fucked to mm -hmm. hear. But it's also kind of like great to hear like refreshing honesty but like refreshing honesty that builds heat so yes it brilliant brilliant scripting here from them i think mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's, daniel it's, bryan it's, it's it's just a brilliant way they constructed this storyline here 
Oh, abs- absolutely. Even if mm-hmm. I, I'll get, I'll, I, I kind of want to like have this as the preface and then like go into my full thoughts on kind of this setup when we get to it at the end of the show. But yeah, okay. so Daniel Bryan comes back at Stephanie with, well, funny, you're starting to remind me of a word that starts with the letter B right now. I was also looking at Stephanie and thinking blueberries. So of I'm course, I, I, I mean, I, I look, I looked at Stephanie and said, blunt is what <laughs> i is what i was thinking of course i'm glad we're all on the same page yeah yes so, that is what daniel bryan was implying so basically so stephanie's had enough of daniel bryan talking back to her because how dare he actually and so she yeah. calls security on him to get him thrown out of the building yes yeah, she won't stand for bryan being unprofessional and uncouth Oh my so god. Security. You built an entire brand off of unprofessionalism and uncouthness. What the fuck are you on about, you bitch? Well, they're corporate now, and I have thoughts to say about this when we get to the end and we get to Triple H's whole spiel. Okay. But yeah, Daniel, she calls for security. Daniel Bryan does choose to comply. The crowd is chanting no as he leaves, but before he leaves, Fully, he turns around and then just starts doing coercing no chance yeah. from the crowd as he walks away. Oh, he's away. screaming no as he gets as he gets let mm-hmm. out. Yeah, but so so that so that's that great opening promo from the two of them and from Cena as well. Again, gracious shit from Cena. But mm-hmm. uh, then we cut to a WWE SummerSlam fun fact, which is basically just masturbating SummerSlam's ratings. It is. They masturbated how uh, SummerSlam had the most social media engagement of any of any channel ever. Ignore, of course, recognizing that on August eighteenth, two thousand and thirteen, almost no television, new television is airing. Wait, it wasn't even views. It was social media social interaction. Media enga- yes, it oh was social God. media engagement is what they were yeah. jerking off about. Yeah, they basically just go in there like, hey, did you know that WWE SummerSlam is the most important thing to happen on television ever, ever? And everyone was like, yep. hmm, I kind of doubt that. And WWE went, shh, shh Twitter. <laughs> but look at Twitter, though. <laughs> but look at the Twitter. But look, look at the, man, they're, they're fucking pushing Twitter hard on commentary. All of them. They, they really are. gave a shit about their Twitter interactions, dude. It's kind of weird. Uh... Taught that uh tout is dead. Let's tout. we'll just go Rip all in, in on Twitter. Tout. Rip in peace, tout. We barely knew ye. Yeah. Um, but well, the yeah, the so of the show is, is fucking... a, a rematch from SummerSlam, Damian Sandow versus Cody Rhodes. What's a blow-off match? I've never heard of that concept. Uh well, uh okay. The first note I make on this match, I didn't make. I don't make a lot of match notes anymore. Yeah, it's boring um, as sin. Yeah, the first match note I make is that Michael Cole remarks that Cody Rhodes doesn't have a mustache anymore, which is true. He had a true. he had a full thick mustache as part of the Rhodes Scholars, but I he's know, a baby face, great. so he shaved that off. Ah, baby face. Ha ha ha. And they're like, if you're wondering why he did that, check out the JBL and Cole show on YouTube. So I should mention this is that during this time, JBL and Michael Cole had a skit comedy show 
on YouTube. Oh, I'm the sure JBL it was side and splitting. Show. I'm sure okay. it was okay. side splitting. Daniel Bryan as the Dazzler who like raps and kicks bears in the face was hilarious. Okay, that actually does sound great. God damn Daniel it. Daniel Bryan was a delight. Weird weird amount of WWE stars who are getting themselves over in one form or other by rap. Weird amount of wrestlers out there who get themselves over in one form or another by rapping. Hell yeah, man. Nothing gets the people going more like white dudes rapping. Well, so see, I feel like we've made progress in the year of our Lord 2022 because at least the act that got over with rapping this year is actually two black men. At the ve- at the mm-hmm. very least, now we get black dudes getting over by rapping. So we we're making we're making progress in the world. I feel like Eminem is no longer like a weird new thing that we yeah. have to feel like we have to like touch on take take advantage of in the pop culture multiple times over yes yeah all right said we're all here for uh, diss raps the crowd is very engaged in this match because they start chanting for jerry and then jbl oh yeah i i didn't even catch that i love how that's just like a thing that the crowd defaults to when they don't give a shit about the match they just chant for the announcers because why not yeah um the i mean the match is very standard wwe working um yeah cody rhodes is not quite his best self yet as a wrestler no, and no. damien and as an in-ring wrestler damien sandow is a fantastic character actor <laughs> put it like that <laughs> uh-oh yeah he so, did have some great uh faces during this match i'll mm-hmm. give him that he made yeah, some good uh, angie boy faces the best part was I got to relive Damien Sandow's. Uh, let me make sure I got it. Cubito Akayet, which is from mm-hmm. butchered Latin, which uh, vaguely does not, it doesn't correctly translate apparently, but vaguely is supposed to translate as the elbow of disdain. And it's, uh, just, yes. an, and it's just like an elbow drop done like the people's elbow, but he doesn't do run the ropes. Uh, so it's, it's called the people's the elbow, elbow with a Latin name and lamer. Yes, yes, the elbow of disdain. What? Oh yeah. No, I, 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 Austin, I'm feeling to understand why this guy just couldn't get over. I mean, he gets over, just not that much. He doesn't get over doing this. He his most over is when he starts doing Macho Man impersonations, like. Uh, Jay, Jay Lethal called. He want he would like to have a conversation with you. You see, it's different because it was a Mega Powers ripoff. Because Curtis Axel starts doing Hulk Hogan impressions uh, as well. Uh, yes, and then Hulk Hogan's sex tape drops, and the gimmick dies. Uh oh. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a domino effect. It is. <laughs> Terry Valea has sex with Bubba the Love Sponge's wife and just kind of ends the careers of Damien Sandow and Curtis Axel in the process. Yep. Oh, no, no. Also, when you talked about the whole Cody threw the money in the bank briefcase into the river and Damien got a leather one, I assumed it was a generic, like, leather briefcase that like law students carry around not a goddamn custom one that has the fucking the fucking uh uh, 
money in the bank logo also bubbled out on it. God yeah, damn, I mean, everyone... how 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 else are you going to know he's carrying money in the bank if money in the bank is not on the side of the briefcase? Well, it just made me think, you know, we're in a Daniel Bryan centric arc. Everyone everyone and for good fucking reason everyone talks about the wooden champion championship belt which which yes based and and objectively correct because it's sick but i've never seen anyone talk about this goddamn leather custom money in the bank briefcase and honestly i think that's a tragedy i'm kind of here for this i love alt skins it is pretty sweet it's it's such a cool thing they gave to a guy who is not going to win anything. <laughs> yeah, no. Like that's a uniquest fuck prop and it actually looks like pretty cool. I I would I would own one of those if I could. Mm-hmm. Would I own the actual money in the bank briefcase? No, I'd look like a fucking idiot. But I'd own that leather one cuz I'd look like yeah. a, at least a classy idiot. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, at one point, Jerry Lawler goes on a, some ta- some tangent about how like arrogant that Damian Sandow is, and his story is apparently like the guy, the actor who plays the principal from Saved by the Bell, is in attendance, allegedly, mm-hmm. and apparent and allegedly, I mean, they don't show him on camera. I can't confirm he was there, uh, and then. Damien Sandow allegedly tried to like snipe at him about how bad he is as a teacher. And Jerry is like, look at this arrogant guy. It's like, bro, he's not a real teacher. He's an actor. What the the hell? Yeah. I don't. What, what was that story? Where did it? What, what is happening? It was was a stupid story is what it was. It was a dumb fucking story. Yeah. Uh, what else? God, what else is going on here? Um, uh, at uh, one so point Cole, Cole match. makes a comment about like Sandow did not take well to the match last or lose did not take well to like losing the match last night. And man, if only we saw any of that shit as as reason for this match being put on instead of just kind of cutting right to it without even seeing any goddamn entrances. Yeah, they don't I love showing and not I love telling and not showing. Of course uh the crowd at one point chants at cody where's your mustache where's your mustache fun fact that's also what i wish people would chant to me when i shave but no nobody gives a shit when i go baby face that's because people want you to go baby face hey fuck you fuck you i think i look delightful i i i feel like my whole look right now is kind of like pizza delivery guy chic and i think that's a good look on me i must say is it a good is it a is it a good look? Hey you hey YouTube He's, viewers. Is it a good look and 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 why is it? Because yes. get in the comments. Get in the and comments tell, and, and, and tell, tell me how David good I until until David looks like shit. Hey um, fuck you. Hey fuck you. Fuck fuck I ain't no I ain't no Daniel Bryan. I am I'm a I'm a Randy Orton, baby. I'm a supermodel. Okay. I deserve uh, so I deserve the championship belt. Cody wins this match by uh, he gets Sandow in a in the corner and then rolls him out rolls him up out of the corner. That's called an O'Connor roll for those of you for those of you noobs at home. And Cody Rhodes gets the win. Uh, yes. So Cody and Rhodes beats Damian Sandow, Mister Money in the Bank again, again. So yeah, we're all stingy about not showing shit from the from the pay per view last night, but we're also good with just giving away one of the matches from the pay-per-view for free, but like dumber and shittier. 
Okay. Also, uh, commentary is talking about how apparently Cody's like using this to angle for for a championship shot because he's now beaten Mr. Money in the Bank twice, as if that means anything when Mr. Money in the Bank yeah. is Damian fucking Sandow. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let you know right now that will not lead to anything. He will I, not wow. get a title match. Wow, no way. Wow, what a shocker. I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised he doesn't even get a single, like, titled shot thing out of it. I'm nah, but, he, like, nah, fuck you. But, like... I'm not surprised that, like, nothing came of this. Because, again, Mr. Money in the Bank is Damian fucking Sandow. Cody's not really raising his profile here all that much. So, up yeah. next, Brad up, ne- up next, WWE on. tries to do We Didn't Start the Fire. No, that's not that yet. I made a note of when that was. Okay. <laughs> first, we get Brad Maddox, Raw General Manager, on the screen talking about how after last night, Several WWE superstars express their disdain to him for what happened in the main event. And he mm-hmm. pulls out a quote from Dolph Ziggler about how he basically says he's never trusted Triple H. And Brad Maddox is like, hmm, well, Mr. Ziggler, he calls himself the show off. And we here at the WWE would like to give Dolph Ziggler a chance to show off tonight in a three-on-one handicap match against The Shield. Which, why? Because they're a tyrannical regime seeking to punish all dissenters Uh, by having The Shield beat them up. Yeah, but like... Okay, yeah, so I guess Shield is just here to... Here to just do the 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 shield are The Shield are corporate authority lapdogs. They're they're corporate authority mercenaries. Yep. Now we start the fire. Yeah, now WWE tries to do we didn't start the fire. What the fuck was this, Austin? Uh, It was a WWE magazine ad. It was absolutely insane, and I loved it. Yeah, they they were like doing a fucking patter song speed rap about... I don't know all of the possible iconography that you could ever associate with the Fed up to this point. Yep, it was insane. Yeah, it was so fucking wild. I mean, it was kind of a bop, but also what the shit. Mm-hmm. The, again, this is more proof, in my opinion, that we need the WWE magazine back so that they have I an mean, excuse to do more of these ads. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure shit would get even more unhinged with whatever song they put together about it. Will they lampshade Vince's uh, Vince's promiscuities? Probably not, but it'd be really funny if they did. It would. All right, we we cut then to Paul Heyman in the ring in a sling because uh, CM Punk injured his arm last night. Good, correct. And Paul Heyman uh, basically calls CM Punk a child, a baby bird who needed to leave the nest. But he does admit that he pushed Brock to the limit, that he gave Brock everything Brock could handle. Which, again, this is pre-streak Brock being admitted vulnerability. Again, this feels weird. I know, this feels wrong. Also, why the fuck is it that every time Heyman says Brock Lesnar's name, it kind of sounds like he's coming a little, like, Every Brock time, Lesnar. Every time, every that's fucking the, time, that's he the, says it like that's that. The in, that's just the intonation he's chosen for that's, saying. It Brock sounds name. like he's so horny. 
I mean, like, you know, good, well, good you know, you, honestly, this art, this arc feels like this, this storyline can be read kind of gay, but we'll get there yeah. and see him punk shows up. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh no. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. So Heyman, it was really funny. Cause I put in my notes, like as Heyman was just talking about, like, he basically calls out to punk, like, Hey, you haven't done anything that I can't yet forgive. But he, so I wrote it down as like, Heyman says, prodigal son, come home. Uh, and then, and, and, and Heyman goes on to be like, you know, if you come out here, punk, and you apologize to me, then I would more than happily take you back and together we can yada, yada, yada. So first of all, Heyman seems to be under the delusion that CM Punk is capable of apologizing to any anybody for anything. But what was really funny is after I wrote, just like generally Heyman says, prodigal son, come home. He literally calls Punk the prodigal son and then proceeds to call him the prodigal son multiple times throughout the evening. Yeah, Paul Heyman says that he's more of a father. He's been more of a father figure to Punk than that sperm donor that that uh, sired him in Chicago, which is an accurate statement, I'm sure, because you know it's pretty easy to be more of a father figure than uh, CM Punk's biological father. Fucking true. Uh, you know, good good line there from Heyman. Also, thinking of thinking of putting like. Heyman and CM Punk into the Prodigal Son story just makes me think of like Brock Lesnar just pathetically whining to Heyman about, oh, why does he get the fatted calf for coming home? Why does he? I mean, he. Why does Brock he get the, the belt, Daddy? Brock is the big brother that beat up his his younger brother. Yeah, fucking night, true. That'd night. be a funny. That'd be a funny way to see that play out. Yeah, I'm um, here for the, I'm here for the Heyman family sitcom coming to you <laughs> this this fall on CBS. Dude, I fucking hate. I hate. I hate how goddamn charismatic Paul Heyman is. Holy shit, you were so right about Silver Tongue. Like that man is so good at talking i i hate it i'm so charmed by him every time he's on screen even though i know he's a bastard in like irl god he's so fucking charming why is he so charming i hate it it feels icky to like like him but i love his promo cutting god fucking damn and i would yeah. so 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 consume the fuck out of a paul Heyman family sitcom are you kidding me that mm -hmm. shit would be hilarious and and Heyman would win i'm sure many emmys of course uh so he he kind of caps it off by saying punk i still love you Ugh. and together we will be the best in the world yeah the crowd's not too amused by that turn of phrase no, but think. jbl understands that this was a noble gesture by paul Heyman, and we should all be so forgiving oh my god jbl is i fucking hate jbl he's simping so hard it's hysterical Mm -hmm. uh backstage we get some catty bullshit with the funkadactyls and the bellas and honestly i thought they were gonna have a match yeah no no we get the funkadactyls come out which are the the fungosauruses to cheerleaders cheer but now they're also wrestlers i which you know before uh, today i learned that naomi fucking started off 
as one of the Funka Funkadactyls, which uh-huh. you, you know what? Good, good for her. Everybody's got got to start somewhere, even if it's working for goddamn Tyrus. Yep. Uh, ver- and uh, as they were coming out, I asked, "Where is Planet Funk?" Because that is where they are build from. And then JBL on commentary also asked where Planet Funk was. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. And uh, and Jerry Lawler gives an answer as if the answer to that question is a strip club Jerry Lawler has been to in Memphis. <laughs> Honestly, I could see that. I could see Jerry Lawler going going to a strip club called Planet Funk. Mm-hmm. But they're they're the Fungadactyls are not wrestling the Bella Twins tonight. They are wrestling no. Layla, we remember as the Divas Champion from 2012, mm-hmm. and AJ Lee, who is the current Divas Champion. Yes, uh, and yeah, no, they're on instruction from the Bellas tonight to like make the Total Divas brand look good because I guess AJ and Layla aren't part of Total Divas? No. Question mark. The Total Divas cast are the Bella Twins, uh, the Fungadactyls. Natalia, Eva Marie, and JoJo, the last two being rookies who basically came into the WWE through Total Divas. Okay, sidebar, if Total Divas wasn't like the full Divas run, how the fuck did that show work? What was that show? It was basically just following the trial, the dra- the I- the real-life dramas of those particular women. Which sometimes I, I, was about wrestling, sometimes it wasn't. Um, but they basically just never involved the women that aren't on Total Divas. Interesting. Reality TV is weird. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's fine. AJ... They, they mostly did. They mostly didn't do in-ring drama, so it was pretty easy to just kind of edit our way around. Okay. Around well, that's them. nice. Yeah, I'm sure you get videos of their home lives and shit. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So John Cena and Daniel Bryan featured as among the best part of the show. Of oh, course. yeah, because they were dating Bella Twins. Yeah, and uh, we get Tyson Kidd, who's Natalia's uh, husband, who is also hilarious. Uh, also, Jim Neidhart was a fucking delightful weirdo. Jim Neidhart? Yeah, man, because remember, that's Natalia's dad. Oh, f- I always It's forget. easy yeah. to forget. Because they Natalia just talk about how she had her Hart. uncle Brett. Her uncle Brett. She's she. Her uncle is Bret Hart, and she has no other important relative. Of course. They get we get some of the Usos because of the we get some of the Usos too because of Naomi. It's it's neat. Oh shit! Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that one too. Uh, yeah. So apparently AJ Lee has. Uh, over of uh, we we were told on commentary as AJ is coming out, she has over a hundred million Twitter followers. Which, damn, that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Is that an inflated Man, figure? So, do we think, or is that like real? I mean, it probably did, in fact, say a hundred million Twitter followers on her page. You know, how many are bots? Who could say, really? Oh no, Vince is in his fucking office setting up. Twitter bots, bots to follow AJ for the sake of the storyline. But hey, man, simps get a simp. I'm sure plenty of them were legitimate. That's this is this is true. Maybe I even would have been one of them back in back in the days of 2013. If I had a Twitter in 2013, I would. Oh, have. you would have been simping hard. You would have been simping hard for AJ. Don't even try. 
Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Lawler, Lawler, of course, is is fixated on what what other aspect of AJ, but of course, her mental health, uh, in which he calls her schizophrenic and later on says that she once said to Dolph Ziggler, I love you and so do I, uh, which I think is Gary Lawler doing the meme. Yeah, get, doing the meme of conflating schizophrenia with multiple personality disorder, which I'm um, <laughs> shut up, Lawler. Yep. Uh, so the match itself, the entire match is AJ kicking Naomi's ass. Mm-hmm. Then Layla tags in, and Naomi tries to do a hot tag to Cameron, but Layla stops it. And then Naomi just rolls Layla up and wins. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck we had some weird like last second reversal it's, matches tonight, and this was yeah. One it's of a them. I get what happened here because like uh, this is the put over Total Divas match, so the people who are on Total Divas win. Yeah, but like you know, make it make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Then um, we get the be a star ad. Yeah, dude, watching WWE's big charity initiative. Watching heels do the be a star promos is like really funny. I guess baby, I guess Miz is kind of a baby face this moment, but you still get guys like Hall of Pain era Mark Henry was doing like don't be a bully. Oh, okay, dude. Sure. Amusing. Uh, We get an earlier tonight recap of the opening promo, and then we get to. Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus the Shield. Shield. And right right away, JBL is simping for this as as justifiable action. And Michael Cole, for for Dolph Ziggler's comments, and Michael Cole be like, this is America. We got freedom of speech. And of course, (laughs) JBL has to be a total boomer about it. And his response is, oh yeah, what about respect for the man who pays you? Dude... I fucking hate JBL. I just don't have uh, anything he, like I don't ever have anything intelligent to say with JBL. It's just blinding red rage on the spot mm-hmm. of just pure hatred. J, JBL does the wrestling equivalent of shut up and dribble by basically saying that he, as a commentator, is paid to make statements and have opinions about what's going on, while Dolph Ziggler is paid to wrestle, and therefore it is okay that he was punished for his opinions. Because he's yeah. not paid. Oh no, that's opinions. that's totally fine. I uh, fucking free speech for me, but not for thee. Am I right, boys? Classic. Uh, and then, basically, I wrote the shield absolutely doing work because that was what it, most of the match is. Yeah, no, I mean the yeah the shield just putting in the work. The the entire like front half of this match is like the shield beating up on. It's really funny too because they get like one through one full rotation of tagging each other in, and then Dean Ambrose gets another go, and then makes another fucking tag to Roman, and it is only at this second time Roman's getting tagged in, like fourth overall tag of the match, fifth overall legal man of the match from the Shield. At that Ziggler like manages to do like this pop up drop kick against Roman drop pop kick fuck pop up drop kick against Roman which actually is pretty fucking sick 
It was good. It was also very funny because Roman like gets in the ring and he like cockily slowly walks over to Ziggler like he thinks he's yeah. got it in the bag already. And then Ziggler just, just, just flies up. It's like, fuck you! Which was and then awesome. Zigg- Ziggler does a super sick move where he suplexes Rollins over the ring to the floor. Yeah, what the shit? And Rollins like falls to the floor clutching his, clutching his knee. I don't know what that was about. Um, now, and even commentary is like, what the hell is that about? Yeah, but Roman is down in the corner. Ziggler goes to do like a big splash jump into the corner, and Roman just jumps up and spear tackles in midair. Get the that fuck out. Also sick. Um, Shield wins one, a two, a three, and then they go up for the triple power bomb. Ooh, which, which is mostly just Roman doing a power bomb while the other two it guys just kind of place their hand yeah, on the other Roman, guy's chest. The triple, yeah, the triple power bomb is Roman power bombs a guy, and then Ambrose and Rollins each put a hand on their side just for support. Yeah, pretty much. I love, I love when like you have assist moves like that, where it's just mo- one guy doing most of the work, but just the other guys just kind of add in for show. Like it's that one fucking move from the Young Bucks where like Nick's got Nick's got someone like head down re- ready for a pile driver, and then oh the Melzer driver, a- what the Melzer driver? Yeah, the Melzer driver. Matt, where, where, where Matt's got to come off the top rope to just kind of like land on his ass kind of right in front of him and, and lightly put his hand on the side of the guy yeah. that that, as if that he's Nick is that, slam, that Nick as is, if he's is, is slam down the, the, pile driver. the pile driver. Yeah, it's like it looks cool, but also it looks so fucking unnecessary for Matt mm-hmm. to do that. I love moves like that where it's just like the other dudes are just kind of being there for show, but it's sold as being so much extra power. Yep. Then we get to match four of the evening. As I told David when I wa- when we were watching this, I cannot believe we accidentally saw this and I would ever get a chance to talk about it on the okay, podcast. Okay, I gotta say something though. Fucking, uh, we, in between these two matches, we get our second ad of the evening for like Randy Orton's coronation at the end of the show. And we get a whole bunch of these throughout the show, which is annoying in its own right. But like, for some reason, all of these open with like this weird Eye of Sauron ass graphic. Oh, For yeah. Some reason, I don't know yeah. why, but they're just like, Eye of Sauron, Randy Orton coronation. Was Is Randy Orton a noted Lord of the Rings fan? Obviously. Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, okay. He, uh, so, yeah, WWE title is the one ring, of course. What else uh-huh. would it be? And, so, and uh, uh, hey, that would, I guess that would make Triple H, uh, Saruman the White then, because he, because he's like, he heel turns and, and, you know, fucks over the heroes to, to allow the, uh, the, the, the main bad guy to gain more power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, match four, Alberto Del Rio versus Sin Cara. Yeah, the, like, the, the man without face is here. Uh, I, I was worried that, uh, we get a an old Sinkara staple of the of the rain being doused in some dumb fuck yellow light for some reason, but luckily no, that wasn't the case. No, um, so and, 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 oh, sorry. One more thing I point out is uh, as Sinkara's walking out, Lawler's going, uh, "Ah, one of our favorites, JBL. We haven't seen him in a while." And JBL goes, "You still haven't. He's wearing a mask. Shut up, L- I mean, shut up, JBL." God, shut the fuck up, new- John. Yeah, uh, yeah, 
uh, yeah, but Sin Cara's out here, and, uh, fucking... I have, I have one thing to note before we get to the thing this match is about. So, yeah. Del Rio apparently put a little a bunch of mini Mexican flags in the corner, because apparently this is a thing now. Uh, he cut a promo about it at SummerSlam, and I ignored it because I was like, okay, whatever. But yeah. apparently, no, we're doing a thing. Because now Alberto Del Rio is like, is basically being like, Mexico has no heroes, you peasant losers. But don't worry, I am here. I can be your hero. Pretty much. Yeah, no, um, he's, he's here to pander. And commentary points out as much, and... The they do really acknowledge the Rio yeah, no, is but at one point team. Austin Austin starts like uh, in like a few seconds into this match Austin starts going uh he he's he does something that always concerns me where his eyes light up and his his smile gets real wide and he's like oh this is that match and I go oh no okay so uh can he can't even be two minutes into the match not uh, even it's like nine Alberto like del Alberto del Rio is on the outside. Sin Cara is doing a dive and he dive, he does a dive at him and immediately Sin Cara falls over, calls the ref over to him and has the match thrown out because what happened is Sin Cara on that dive broke a finger. And so he okay. was like, we're ending the match right now. And Del Rio is fucking pissed about it. And it was a whole big scut. This was a whole big stink in 2013 that like Sin Cara was too big of a coward loser bitch to not work through a broken finger and call the match early. Uh, okay. 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 So, uh, cause the wild thing was fucking, Del Rio starts beating up on Sin Cara, and I was like, "Yeah, he he's is going hard." For yeah, he's heat, shoot. No, he's that's... like shoot mad that they had to. They pulled it. They did that. He did was that. this supposed to be like a big match? Because it the way they ended this shit after Sin Cara was like wheeled away, kind of made it read like this is supposed to be a pretty easy squash of Sin Cara. Well, yeah, but he still he still went and and you know refi- refused to finish the match as as initially booked. So, you know, that's the, yeah. That you know, feels that, how dare you, you bitch. That feels shitty. Oh yeah, how dare you not want to work through a broken finger? It's just a finger. Fuck off. Yeah, you know that's God, that's wrestle, that's wrestling culture for you. You know, God, I hate a gotta work w. through the injuries. And I fucking hate. And I and and I goddamn hate wrestling culture. Uh, also. I Doc Samson works for WWE in 2013. Yeah, Shit. long time, long time WWE doctor Doc Samson. God, well, because now he's with AEW. We we've been hearing on AEW a whole fucking lot about Doc Samson because they keep they keep basically every single week checking in on the on the goddamn uh, uh, the goddamn concussion that John Moxley gave Adam Page. So mm-hmm. what? Jesus, I guess. I guess wrestling doctor is just a vocation these days, huh? Heck yeah, He's man. Jumping companies. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, Doc so Samson Doc, is all elite. Doc Samson. Where's true, his tweet? The, great, the greatest of all signings. Uh, Doc, yeah, so so Doc Samson checks out Sinkar and they throw out the match. And 
Del Rio cuts what reads like a time waster promo at first. He's basically just like, yeah, I'm so great. Da, 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 da. And then he starts pandering to like the Latino audience. And, you know, since we're in Anaheim, it's it's working, unfortunately. Um, right. Which, which and is, I, it was funny too cause, because that's not because you're not supposed to like him for this. Yeah. And also, I just don't like Alberto Del Rio, period. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel like. I, it was funny too because I was thinking I'm like I feel like we've seen something this like this before and I realize if I remember correctly this reads a weird amount like the fucking opening promo from the Mexicals that we saw at the beginning of our 2005 arc. There are elements to it that are similar. Yeah, because weren't they going like Hispanics? Feel free to like be lazy or whatever. They were doing. They were trying to also appeal to Latino audience. It was like it was, like, it was like. Yeah, it was like half Hispanics rise up and half Hispanics are lazy, like stereotypes say they yeah, are. It was, it was so weird. weird. So at least this was a slightly um, more dignified version of that. Um, mm-hmm. But but in the middle of all this, fucking uh, Alberto's Ricardo little Rodriguez. little personal LeFou Ricardo comes out. But yeah, I guess apparently you know, Alberto... at some point they broke up. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember when that happened. Um. But it did. And Ricardo is like, Alberto, you are no hero to anybody. And he is happy that he doesn't have to represent Del Rio anymore. And he's representing somebody new. Somebody who will stand for people. And I hear a few people try to chant Ray. When he's like, I have a new person. But no, instead, he has the true man of the people. (laughs) Rob Van Damn. All hail the weed man. <laughs> the true proletarian hero, the Which, weed man. I again, I I remember that Rob Van Dam and Alberto Del Rio feud over the world title in 2013. I completely forgot this is how and why. Over the world title. Ah. So RVD gets in the ring. There's a little bit of brawling, but he already gets the upper hand. He sets up for the five-star frog splash and Del Rio gets the fuck out of here. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, and then <laughs> it's time for the real Americans. We, the people. Uh, Zeb Coulter her, heard Alberto Del Rio talking about Mexicans. And he's like, I got something to say. Some, well, let me tell you something, dude. <laughs> So Zeb Coulter like references. There's been a lot of headlines recently, and I don't know what he's talking about because it was 10 years ago. I'm sure it's something (laughs) racially charged. Sure. But he's like, where any headlines about the real house Antonio Cesaro and Jack Swagger are real Americans because they're good and pure. Not like the people. Not he didn't say that part because you know that's the quiet part. We're not saying that out loud yet. Um, yet, not like the people in this town who are not good and pure and not white. And so he like shits on Disneyland. It's a small world and shit. He's and like he goes, he's like yeah. He's like I heard some fucking illegals in front of me. Which no, part? okay, so. He goes that he is ashamed of this country because of them damn illegals. If today you don't like he it, was we... today he was out shopping and there were some illegals in front of him paying with a credit card that was oh, banked no, no, no. for by no, no, his no. 
tax a, dollars. A, no, 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 no. A debit card a that debit was paid card. for by his tax dollars. His tax dollars from with their fuck? money coming from some job no, that they no. that they stole sneaking across the border from some real American. I just want to know how the fuck Zeb Coulter thinks debit cards work. Why do you think your tax dollars are paying for their debit cards? That debit this is the from new, their this is the this is the sec this is the follow up to the Obama phones the Obama cards. Are you? Are you like? Is this meant to go a few layers deep? Where like your taxpayer dollars are like directly funding the banks that hold their money that they can then pull from with their debit cards? Like, are you? Are you just are mad you that, you're that Are you saying that secretly Zeb Coulter is also talking about the Jews? <laughs> well, well, color me surprised. Oh my God! Yeah, this motherfucker. I how the fuck what I want to know is how the fuck were these guys healed? Okay, I know I've pontificated on this before, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, my my conclusion was, oh, we're in the Obama years. People are complacent and aren't as weird about saying. But like, God, this literally just reads like a Trump speech, and like, it didn't take all that much more coercion to like get people really on board with like Trump tier rhetoric. So. How the fuck were these guys All, heels? I mean, you they were their heels until you get to the catchy catchphrase because all you really need is a nice catchy catchphrase, catchy like catchphrase. I don't know, we the people make America great again, something yeah. like that. Fucking, and suddenly Cesaro and Swagger are putting their hands over their hearts and going, Make America great again, and everyone's popping and, for it. Of course, and suddenly all that hateful rhetoric is just forgotten it's just fun we like chanting things don't think about what it implies we just like chanting things murica yep and yeah. so uh yeah so we got a full-blown taste of zeb coulter that holy shit <laughs> i did not miss seeing his dumb fucking face Never forget it is, it is. that Zeb Coulter, Zeb Coulter was so shocking and out there for his air for 2013 that like Glenn Beck was like, the fuck is WWE doing over there? <laughs> no way! No way! How, how the fuck do you get too extreme in your rhetoric for Glenn fucking Beck? Okay, Glenn Beck talked their shit and it literally... After that, WWE posted a video on their YouTube page where Zeb Coulter broke character and was like, brother, it's kayfabe. <laughs> Glenn, I think Glenn Beck was just worried about Zeb Coulter saying the quiet part out loud. I think that was the con I think that was just the concern there, honestly. What I, like, what I want to see now is like Glenn Beck gathering a whole entourage. Like, I want to see Glenn Beck, like, get a fucking, like, trios team going with, like, him, Rush Limbaugh, and and Dennis Prager, where they come to the ring and, and, and shit, and cut promos shitting on, like, Zeb Coulter, the true Americans. Mm. And then, and then Claudio does a fucking spin move on Rush Limbaugh. Of course. Uh, um... I would like to make sure to emphasize to the people here is that every single time Zeb Coulter says that, that talks about illegal sneaking across the border, he does little f hands <laughs> with his fingers <laughs> of them sneaking across the border. Across the border. 
<laughs> so fucking stupid. He need he need to send he need to send his real Americans to go do what JBL did in two thousand five and and do a little border patrol. <laughs> Man, beat up the illegals that are coming true. across. I forgot. I forgot about JBL doing border patrol. Holy shit! It was his most iconic moment in his entire WWE title reign. It was him, it was him going to the Texas border and beating up people he thought were illegals crossing. <laughs> and and motherfucking man, WWE. Not at all a fraught history with foreign with, with with foreigners and illegal immigrants. No, sir, they're not weird at all about that shit. Why do you ask? No, so but yeah. So but I mean, thankfully... I mean, look at the real Americans. Zeb Coulter has no problem with immigration. He loves, you know, Antonio Cesaro, who has yeah. gone through the system the proper our, way. Our, our model minority from Switzerland. He is. He just doesn't like those illegal alien immigrants like, uh -huh. coming across the border from Mexico. Never mind that his that his that his perfect his perfect example of an immigrant is white as snow. That white as snow. What that the, what are anything. you trying what to say? The fuck? What 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 the fuck are you trying to imply? No no no. Let me try that. I'm gonna try that one more. God, I'm still in deadlock bits now. Oh no! Uh, uh, <laughs> thankfully, thank, thank you. No, know, his 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 model immigrant is is the perfect guy. He's from all the way in Europe. Fuck Switzerland. Shit, it has nothing to do with race. Exactly. Uh, but luckily, the prime time players are here to. To, to 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 stop Zeb Coulter from talking by starting a match with the the true Americans. And now the primetime players. Now those are two people that I expect Zeb Coulter would at least want at least once tell to shut up and dribble. <laughs> I'm sure he'd find some way to. I'm sure I'm sure he could get real spicy with the things he could say to primetime players. Let me tell you. Thankfully, Darren Young was still in the closet in 2013. <laughs> oh, no. That's a horrible sentence to say. Thankfully, he was still in the closet. Oh, God. Right. Canceled. So, yes, the match five, the Real Americans versus the primetime players. And honestly, a fun match. Yeah. Because wow, there's it's a lot of like there's a lot of big, strong boys in this match. It's almost like Jack Swagger and Claudio, C sorry, Cesaro are are fucking really talented in ring. And I've never met primetime players before, but damn, they're also quite good. And this is the one match I'd say that actually had like some fucking semblance of work rate. Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about Jack Swagger as a wrestler, but him with Cesaro is really good. Jack Swagger is not like great on his own. But like mm -hmm. he's he's got he's he's a good worker overall. I don't think he's like the most distinctive worker out there, but like his shit's always solid. I can always count on him to put on at least a decent match. And I can appreciate that. And hey, these days he's got a cute gimmick with a purple bucket hat. So I can't hate him too much. He he has come a long way from being uh quietly xenophobic. Yeah. He is he now wears a hat. He now, and he likes, 
He likes this hat. Dude, I fucking love that. Sidebar, I goddamn love the I like the hat gimmick. I love it when people get over on the dumbest bullshit as long as it's, like, inoffensive. And I've gotten two of the most magical things, this, I guess, last year now, with Scissor Me Daddy Ass getting over and I like this hat getting over. Oh, <laughs> God, I love that shit. But, yeah, we're a few years away from that. So, Jack Swagger's just Jack Swagger. And Cesaro, I mean, Cesaro fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, shockingly... Darren Young hits the gut check, which is basically what if I what if I just dropped your your gut? What if I just dropped your like stomach where my knees are? Yeah, that it's basically doing the spot hurt. where like someone tries to top rope you and you get and you get your knees up, but just like premeditating it and not needing someone to like go up on the top rope first. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way to put that. But well, yeah. Darren Young hits the gut check and he wins. Yeah, he wins Cesaro for the win. Dude, my man could schmoove in that ring. Well, well fucking earned. That was a fun match to watch. It was short, sweet, mm-hmm. inoffensive, and actually, you know, pretty pretty darn good work out there. I mu- I must say, good good job, boys. You you did it. I'm proud of you. And then uh, cut back to the future Renee Paquette, currently and, Renee Young. And Renee is curious about the rumors that Big Show and Mark Henry are going to team up to face the Shield for the tag belts. And he's like, well, Renee, let me tell you, those rumors are absolutely fucking true. And everyone goes, hey! And and Brad Maddox is like, hold your horses there, buddy. Uh, Because I heard you've been making disparaging remarks about the Big Show, about Triple H and Big Show's like, yeah, freedom of speech, pal. Yeah. He, and, he he chat he chad yes is brad he's like hey i hear you've been talking shit about triple h yes damn it's almost like yes. it's almost like big show is a history of not getting along with the gms of the shows that he's on now nah, and then brad max like well you have a freedom to express yourself how about you go express yourself tonight in a three-on-one handicap match against the shield yeah so he's putting the shield up for another three-on-one match for hey being boot being bootlickers is a full-time job you gotta I, be ready to go man what i want to know is like what i want to know is like why does the shield are they getting paid extra in kayfabe like are they getting paid like extra mercenary money or some shit like why are I they would, putting up with this why are they licking the boot they are like three they are easily obviously three of the strongest dudes in this fucking company why do they give a shit why are they why are they listening to anyone but themselves? I just assume the authority pays really well. I should, I guess I should hope so, but like, I kind of also doubt that. But yeah, so uh, Big Show is completely unfazed by this. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, are you sure you want to? Do-? He literally does the oh oh, call an ambulance, call an ambulance, but not, but not for, for me. me. Yeah, so and he's then- completely unfazed. And we co- we so we cut from that to a fucking weird, weird footlocker ad. This is not the weirdest backstage ad I've seen in WWE. Obviously, that's forever gonna go to the one with Jared from Subway for obvious reasons. Yes. But you know, so they got this fucking footlocker rep here, and Zach Ryder and Justin Gabriel are back there being like, Hey, Zach Ryder, check out these cool new shoes you're gonna get from Foot Locker. Hey, Zach and- Ryder, you're super over. How about an advertising promo? Absolutely. Uh, and then they are interrupted by Fond. 
Fandango. So, okay. So Fandango's gimmick is he is a wrestler, but also he really likes ballroom dancing. Yeah, and he's and got like a he's got like a valet that he just kind of enters and dances with. Summer Ray, yeah. They they just kind of show up and dance together sometimes. They do. They and it's delightful, and honestly. And he's and he's like, ah, foot locker. Can I dance, dance. in these shoes? Yeah, he doesn't say dance. He says, he's not British, mind you. He otherwise has a completely American accent, but dance. Well, that's because his name is Fondango, not Fandango. So, also you know. fucking stupid, but you know, again, delightful gimmick nonetheless. And Foot Locker guy is like, yes, yeah, sure, you can dance in these shoes. And he's like, good. He gets like really <laughs> horny over that prospect. Yeah, Fan, uh, Fandango is hilarious. Uh, especially, especially in the future when he when he uh, joins up with Tyler Breeze and they have a whole skit as the fashion files where they do police procedurals. I <laughs> that's great. I fucking we gotta do a we gotta do a whole we gotta do a whole arc just of doing like 2016 SmackDown so we can do the fashion files. Dude, I'm here for it. I I I know Tyler Breeze exclusively from Up Up Down Down. I would love to see him do like actual in-ring shit at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh we then get a SummerSlam recap video that is the exact same one they opened the show with. Why is this show three hours long again? Because USA was like, here is more money, make it three hours. And and they were like and they were like, cool, we're going to use all of this to invest in padding. Exactly. God. Yeah, so uh, they recap. Oh they do the same recap shit. And then uh, we go backstage, and there's, like, just some jobbers taping up in the locker room. Some and then dudes. And here comes Ryback. Ryback is here. Oh, oh my joy. God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The media, the meatiest muscle head jock that has ever existed in history. Ryback, Ryback is clearly not a fan of the Be a Star campaign. No, he is not. He like yells at these dudes to get out of the locker room, and then he singles out this one guy, and he basically is like, "Stand up, now sit down, now stand back up." And he pick up your bags, and he tries to pick up the bag. He picks up the bag, and then he chucks it across. And then Ryback chucks it across the room, and he's like, "Go pick it up!" And then Jobber goes to go get it. Ryback steps on the bag and is like, "Pick it up!" He, and then he does eventually pick it up again. Then Ryback chucks it into the shower, and then they go in the shower. He's like, "Pick it up now, open it up!" And then he's like, "Turn on the water." And he oh forces this jobber to like fill his gym bag with with what with shower water. What was the point of this? What? Why are we just watching Ryback do backstage hazing? Because this is heel work. Does it? Does this lead to anything? Uh, it leads to him joining Paul Heyman and being a heel with was Paul he Heyman face up to this point not up to this point but he wasn't he turned face for a hot sec but then they're like we are got to reestablish him as a heel okay but like why did we need to show him do backstage hazing to this intensity like this was a weirdly uncomfortable scene to watch like it was funny like it was funny just how absurd it was it's also like really uncomfortable because my man is just 
just selling it straight, and so is the jobber. So we're just watching this motherfucker do backstage hazing. It's like, why? I guess it does play into what his character ends up being. Like, he ironically is like, I hate bullies. <laughs> don't, don't point at me. <laughs> Top Ryback is, Vince McMahon humor, everybody. Ryback is fascinating. I love it. Uh, so Ryback Matt, says so much for the tolerant left. Yes. Number, Matt's number six, the big show versus the shield. Big show, absolutely doing work oh as <laughs> this match is basically the big show beating the shit out of seth rollins and dean ambrose and then Literally. roman reigns runs in hits one spear and then they triple power bomb the big show and they win yeah what the fuck was that that was first of all i want to point out big show <laughs> throws rollins out of the ring at one point and rollins does the shit of clutching his knee again which like hey man gotta sell second- that knee what were they? Was he injured? Were they trying to play no, something? What was they're just happening? Selling me. He's just selling a knee. He's just, he's why it's so good. I think I'll have it a second time. Yeah. So, like, it was cool to see them triple powerbomb Big Show, but also, nah, this is some bullshit. Shield fights a second match tonight, gets mostly beat up by the Big Show, but then Roman Reigns hits one spear and they get the dub. That's such horse shit, dude. Ooh, ah. You need that we are building up Roman, all right? Give it that, about a year and he's gonna be main event in mania, all right? So and people are gonna be booing him while he's supposed to be a face. I don't know what you're talking about. He was the superstar of the year in 2014. They, saw, they they were like, Hey, remember how much we hated John Cena? Yeah, well, we well, we hate him less, but but wrestling hate can neither be created nor destroyed. So we're just going to try. We got to find someone to transfer it over onto. And you, Roman, make the perfect candidate. Uh-huh. So yeah. after that, out comes CM Punk limping, surely to apologize. Well, okay. Well, in between that, we get another WWE fun fact. was now masturbating the WWE magazine's readership. No, they... they say that ha- they have more reader per copy than all the other sports magazines combined which yeah they're they're, they're the masturbating is, they're they're like, like their readership numbers like f- i thank you i understand I, what that statistic would mean how do you co- how do you determine that how do you look, determine how many readers you have per copy of the magazine fuck was this time where wwe's probably traded yes Oh, well, I know why these ads exist. It's it's purely for Vince's stock course. That that makes sense. I I I wouldn't be surprised if like the the like stock the 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 periodical stockhold the, the periodic stockholder meetings were just Vince flashing these fucking fun fact slides and being like <laughs> every slide is that every slide says did you know? Yeah, yeah. And Vince is so proud of himself. He's like, oh, that's interesting. And he turns to everyone at the end. Now, did you know that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so yes. Now we get Punk coming out and he's limping. Gotta sell the fact that Rock fucked him up real good. Yep. So, okay, this is fucking weird. Uh, So CM Punk is starting his promo and apparently some heckler behind him said something. I can't hear it. I think. I don't know what he said or did, 
But Punk just goes the fuck off on this guy. Goes off on him like like, he just had a Mindy's muffin and he is working with fucking children. Oh, God. Who couldn't manage a target. Yeah, CM Punk's like, hey, you fat piece of shit in the front row. Get in the ring. Get in the ring and fight me for real. You won't, you pussy coward. And he proceeds to just keep harping on that for like two minutes. What the fuck? It was so Noted weird. baby face CM Punk out here. You can get away with anything as a fa- baby. Hey, we love it when baby faces body shame people who we don't like. It's just when you're mean to people that we do like that it's a problem. Obviously. That's why it's funny when we call Paul Heyman a walrus, but it and was bad. Describe his walking we, as waddling. But And it was bad when we made a whole storyline about fat shaming Mickey James. That mm. That that all makes sense, of course. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, it's 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 okay to be to 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 completely abandon your principles to be mean to the mean people. Obviously, so much for the time. Right. Anyway, so Paul, so CM Punk tells Paul Heyman if he wants his apology, he can come out and get it right now. Uh, and out comes Paul Heyman with, oh God, Curtis, Curtis Axel. 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 Curtis Axel is Mister Perfect's son. Uh, and his name, his naming is such because it is a play on uh, Kurt Hennig, his father, and Larry the Axe Hennig, his grandfather, who was also uh, a wrestler. Delightful. And he is the Intercontinental Champion. They made a big deal about it because he won the belt on Father's Day, the same uh, belt his dad won. It was great, and he when that would be his career peak. I feel um, like you, you mentioned that like way back in the first episode or something. Probably because he would have been Intercontinental Champion at the time. Well, hell yeah, there uh, it is. And Punk said he is not fit to wrestle here tonight, but he is here because this is all he knows. And and Brock Lesnar gave him the fight of a lifetime, and he's here still standing. Absolutely. And Punk says. Punk says he's sorry. He's sorry that he lost sight of Brock Lesnar for revenge, and he's sorry that he didn't beat up Paul Heyman more. Uh, yeah, Punk, Punk's, Punk's basically just like, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't brutally fucking murder you, Paul. And Paul, naturally, does not take too kindly to this, and basically goes, tells like Curtis Axel, like, tape his fists up or whatever. So I guess he's fixing to set a match here. Um, and then... Paul like comes down and he's like, Hey, let me tell you why I'm actually nothing like that. That fat sack of shit in the front row who booed you and is an absolute coward and won't fight. Yeah. You're still going in on this guy. Stop it. Um, but he's basically like, yeah, all right, punk. Here's the deal. If you don't get out of this ring by the time we come back from commercial break, which is an awkward fucking line to say, you don't come. If you're not out of this ring by the time we get back from commercial break, I'm going to have my boy Curtis Axel murderize you. And Punk was like, okay, bet. Bet. So we cut away and we cut back. It's from commercial. And what do you know? Punk is sitting in ring in a metal folding chair while his theme song is playing. So I guess they just had that shit blaring during the commercial break. And then back comes Curtis Axel. Uh, Paul Heyman does not follow Curtis to the ring because he is very brave. Uh, and Punk immediately starts whooping Axel's ass. Not even a fight, really. I know. Uh, 
he he throws him to the outside, and at that point, Axel's able to kind of like get get some hits in on him, and he throws Punk, even gets Punk into the barricade, uh, ribs first, and Heyman starts smirking with that weird little smirk he does. Yeah, they cut over to him with this this fucking cheesy ass goblin grin on his face. Uh, but Punk turns the tables. He throws Axel into the timekeeper's area. He stalks up to Heyman. Heyman backs away. So Punk just goes back to fighting Curtis Axel. Pretty much. Uh, Punk he, is Punk just hits- not dedicated to murderizing Heyman as much as he said he was, which is disappointing. Punk grabs the fucking ring bell and hits Axel in the gut with it. Uh... At some point, Lawler manages to get in a fucking, like, fat guy in the front row line, too. Shut up, Lawler. Of course. Punk gets Axel in the ring to hit the GTS. Axel gets out of it and chop blocks Punk in his hurt leg. And then he starts using the chair on CM Punk. He hits his stupid finisher that is, like, a neck crank face plant. Sure. Stupid looking. And then, okay, Curtis Axel gets punk in in the chair with his leg in the chair to pilmanize him and you get paul Heyman up on the ringside yelling you are the prodigal son and you broke my heart break his I will leg say, god this is a this is that is a great moment from Heyman. i fucking hate how charismatic he is but also like what okay so they lampshade multiple times in commentary the fact that this is not a sanctioned match. This is just a They're just fight. Fighting each other. So why the fuck is anyone in the back letting this go on? Why at one point would anyone put a stop to this? Why is because because this is WWE land and nobody has friends and no baby faces have friends. So you know but what? Like, fuck this and fuck you. But like no no no. But like people in corporate like why wouldn't the full-timers put a stop to the like or the even full, then? the fully the fully he you're asking why the completely heel management team is not stopping a baby face from getting his ass kicked no but like but punk is the face right now and yeah more and moreover the, like it's it's not even that it's like they're 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 wasting their time on a fight that's not sanctioned for the show like they just like in kayfabe they're wasting like 10 fucking minutes on the, like god the kayfabe booking for wwe continues to be the most hectic chaotic un disorganized shit but it's even like it, it's even more baffling because i feel like i've seen them put together matches extremely last second like this before. And I feel like Paul Heyman could have the power to declare this a match if he wanted to. So why not just, why, why he is this he one being well, done Heyman, as a shoot fight, quote unquote? Well, Heyman doesn't want a match. He wants Curtis Axel to injure Punk. So he doesn't want a sanctioned fight. He just wants Curtis Axel to put Punk on the shelf. But like, So he has no interest in that. Why are the bookers letting them dedicate long period a long period of time to this whole thing? It makes no goddamn sense. I fucking hate WWE's like booking philosophy in this era of just letting shit happen in the middle of the show without a seemingly like planned out show in kayfabe. It's it gets stupider every single time you see it. Uh but yeah, sure. Punk, so 
Punk gets Punk avoids getting pilmanized. He gets up, he, he gets the chair. Um uh by the way, pilmanizing is when uh somebody gets their leg, or I guess any body part technically, mm-hmm. crushed with in between a chair named a pilmanizing, because that is what Stone Cold Steve Austin did to Brian Pillman to Oof. kayfabe break his leg to hide the fact that Brian Pillman's shoot broke his leg. Oh um, shit. Brutal stuff in '96. So that is what the term, where the term "pilmanizing" comes from. Uh, so Punk gets up, beats Curtis Axel to death with that chair. Then he basically GTSs him into the stairs. I was about to like make a snark remark that CM Punk is going to do a GTS with his injured knee, and then he instead of do it GTSing him with the knee, he basically uses the stairs for it. Hey, look at that! That actually like paying attention to what's supposed to be injured here. You'll love to see it. Yep. And then right. Punk and Heyman just stare at each other. Yeah. And Punk's then music he- is playing again. Like, so I guess the backstage, the poor beleaguered backstage sound guy just decided, yeah, I mean, I guess that means he wins this non-sanctioned fight. Okay. And he just stares down Heyman. Why doesn't he attack Heyman? I don't know. Because. Heyman just slowly slinks away and Punk is stopped by the invisible force field. Yeah. To prevent him from being able to go chase after Paul. Prevents him from doing anything but looking on, standing there menacingly. So then we move on to match number seven of the evening. R-Truth versus Bray Wyatt. Uh We're Uh here. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Truth is, some of my faves in this ring are truth king love him with all of my heart and the fucking wyatt family the whole wyatt family luke's here uh eric's here and of course bray's here to face off against our truth and so okay just just random thoughts here i don't know how the fuck eric rowan made a weird store-bought ass plaques plastic sheep mask look intimidating wearing it on his face but it works it works and i guess they sold that shit as merch which is wild hell yeah they did i just assumed that was something they they got it like a fucking like party store or something even if they did get it a party store we can merchandise that shit for ourselves we'll buy the rights to sheet masks everywhere that shit will sell like hotcakes yeah, um, so oh, well, this this is OG Bray Wyatt. We got the lanterns, we got the rocking chair, we got the Panama hat. Absolutely, Let's go the whole the unbuttoned so, Hawaiian shirt. Absolutely. So someone on commentary Bray, describes the the Wyatt family as Duck Dynasty meets Charles Manson, which is actually a that really sick very... way to just, that was ju- that was ju- God. I hate it when I like the things that you do. Stop it. Yeah, so Bray Wyatt basically squashes the shit out of our truth. Pretty much, uh, yeah. He is. He yells like, "Am I not everything I say I am? I am the new face of fear, dude." And then he fu- I will say it was really cute. He like gives Truth a little forehead kiss in the middle of his like Sister Abigail finishing move. That yeah, was so that's role. what he that's that's what he always does. Is he oh, always is. does like yeah he he always does like the kiss to the forehead sister it's so Sister Abigail. It's so funny because it's not aggressive. It's so it's so soft and so tender. It looks like jovial almost. He's like, 
and then he and then he finishes dropping him. It's so cute. This is um, this is also so early game that like he also does he like dances with R Truth's like knocked out corpse before he hits yeah. him with the sister Abigail. I know it's so awesome, and I gotta say, commentary selling this the Wyatt family really fucking well. Like they all like run the the creeped out demeanor. Mm-hmm. Re- they really are all they are all they are all kind of terrified of this guy. Yeah, they they sell really well. Like they don't overplay it. It would be so easy to like overplay the shit out of them and make them wacky, but they. They almost undersell it a little bit. Like they like they kind of start like speaking in slightly more hushed tones and with less kind of uh bombast to their voice. And it's it does make for an effective way to kind of get over that these motherfuckers are weird and they're creepy and everyone's kind of a little a little discombobulated by that. Uh so good good shit for early Wyatt family. That was actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a complete mm-hmm. fucking squash of poor truth. And then we get a hype video that I thought we, I was so hoping we would avoid. We get Ole. Ole. Oi. <laughs> we, we get a hype video of all the great matadors of history because Los Matadores are coming soon. How, how they look. Oh my God. We saw them in costume and their costume looked like the cheapest fucking Halloween USA ass store-bought bullshit. These just look like jobbers, Austin. It just looks like men who are going to walk in and just lose a lot. Why the fuck are they getting a hype video? They look so dumb. Because for some reason, somebody thought they weren't going to immediately walk in and just lose. That How'd that work out? Cor- that'll be course-corrected soon enough. Because <laughs> everyone's like, hey, these guys are wearing cheap fucking costumes. They look stupid as shit. Their most iconic feud is going to be with 3MB if you want to know what their career season oh, is. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Which is a great transition to match eight, 3MB versus the Usos. The Usos, three, yeah. 3MB, three-man band. Heath Slater, Jinder Mahal, and Drew fucking McIntyre. They are playing air guitars, and they are losing every match. And it's... The three of them against the the two Usos, which, ah, yes, this checks out. What? That's perfectly even. Actually, just, I, don't think Drew, I don't think Drew McIntyre was officially in the match. I, I guess, but he sure paraded around like he was. And this, this is also pre-day uh, one-ish Usos. Where they are doing, they are a little chonkier than they are. I know. And also, they are doing like traditional Samoan war chanting before they come. They get to the ring. Uh, Yeah. And now, nowadays, they're just guys being dudes. But yeah, I guess they had a whole like Samo. They they were they were making their 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 predecessors in the industry proud and leaning into that traditional Samoan shit. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a legit war chant. I'm pretty sure it's a legit. Yeah, chant I will say, uh, like many, like a few other things I've noted, this feels like a much less offensive version of it. I it actually read as like interesting and culturally aware, and not just brown man scary. It helps their, that the Usos are Samoan. So, are so backwards. Yeah, but it's also mm-hmm. weird to see fucking Drew McIntyre who got 
so very close to unseating Roman Reigns at one of the biggest is one of WWE's like biggest pay-per-views in 2022. Uh, Like be a jobber in an air guitar trio. Also, apparently there was, according to, I think JBL, there was an, there was an air guitar world championship held in Anaheim that allegedly three MB did not do so hot in, which is uh, according to Austin, a preposterous thing to assert. It is. What kind of stupid idea is that? Uh, but Us- it, Usos, uh, 3MB put up a good fight, but the Usos win. They do all the moves. They're all their moves, and they win with the splash. And no I wrote, they're, they're getting down just like their daddy, uh, Rikishi. Yeah, they start, they start dancing. It's so cute. They dance, and the camera goes all tilty so while they dance. And mm-hmm. We get a clap. recap we get a recap of the Miz attacking Fandango at SummerSlam because Fandango interrupted him backstage because the Miz was the host of SummerSlam, you see. So, yeah, I always find it weird when they have like their wrestlers do uh uh do hosting for their show. Like there was the time the New Day um uh, the the new day fucking like hosted WrestleMania. It's, it's so wild when they have their wrestlers host the show. Why do they do that? We want you on the show, but we don't have any matches for you, so you're just uh, gonna host. Got it. Got mm. it. Uh, then we get the final match of the evening, our main event. If you would, you could argue, the Miz. That is an versus- argument. Versus Wade Barrett. Oi, uh, motherfuckers. Yeah. Wade Barrett is British and a bare knuckle fighter. I just want you to know that. Yeah. I was like, was there a reason for this? Is there history here? It's to set up the net. It's to set up the ending sequence of the match. I guess. Yeah. Also, apparently Austin is very excited over a gimmick called Bad News Barrett that we will apparently be encountering during yes. this arc. So yes, it is where see, Wade one of those Barrett... things that he wouldn't be over on. Right now, it sounds, frankly, extremely fucking stupid. Oh, it is so stupid. It's phenomenal. Okay, Don't yeah, cool. You so, worry about it. <laughs> it's, it's, this is certainly a match. Uh, it, is, it was fine. Um, I, Wade I, Barrett is not nearly as interesting as a wrestler as I remembered him being when I was a child. Uh, but that's and that sucks to see. There, uh, there can but, only be one exceptional British wrestler out there, and that is, of course, Daddy Riggs. Of course. So the Miz gets Wade Barrett in the figure four because, as part of Babyface turned the Miz, they had Ric Flair basically gift the figure four to the Miz. That's weird. That's weird, right? That's it definitely weird. It, it's very fucking weird. Uh, but before the Miz can make Wade Barrett tap out, Fandango comes out and hits his top rope leg drop on the Miz and causes. I know. The music hits. Fandango comes out of nowhere and just murders the Miz and Wade Barrett. Well, no, I guess Wade Barrett doesn't get the dub. The the match gets thrown out in Miz's favor. Yeah, and then and then then Fandango does the dancing. We start doing that. No, I wait. Shit, we missed commentary stuff. Okay, so 
I was like, I was just kind of vibing during this match. I don't fucking know. I think I was paying more attention to the end of the Penn State game. Um, to be quite you honest, definitely were. But like, I tuned. I so I'm kind of tuned out. But I tuned back into commentary with them bickering about something. I say, I I hear Cole say something about like, I don't even know. And then Lawler says something about like his feud with Andy Kaufman and something, something, the TV guide. And then Cole's like, I'm trying to get you over. Like what fucking conversation did I miss that Jerry Lawler was hearkening back to his Andy fucking Kaufman feud? I don't know. I was busy trying to look up Wade Barrett's career history to make sure I knew when bad news Barrett was going to happen. And also like, I think there was some sort of O'Reilly's auto parts, like, little sponsorship bit he tries to pl- he tries to plug it because miz like miz like is getting beat on the outside and he's like and cole you know, miz goes, can go to auto right cole goes oh miz can go to auto o'reilly's, o'reilly's auto parts, parts to get a new face hey yeah it's like he realized halfway through his the problem of his sentence and then goddamn lawler immediately pops in and goes grill and god i hate it when you're right stop it yeah. Ugh. So after that match, uh Supreme Toady, my Brad Maddox, runs up to Stephanie and is like, We we have got we have got eyes. Daniel Bryan is back in the building. And Stephanie is like, This is fine. Everything is fine. Thank and, you. But like not in like a meme way. Like she gets an evil grin on her face, and then she like sends Matt Brad Maddox about his way and waltzes right into her dad's office. Which, okay, the ne- the most shocking thing of this entire episode is we cut back to commercial and Vince is already in the ring. Yeah. They cut Vince's entrance. Vince not doing pure vanity. God, you had so much. I, I, I just want to know, like, what, where did the extra time for the, like, fucked up Singara match go? I don't understand. Not sure. Uh, I okay, feel like you so, use that extra time to feed Vince's ego, but you know, I'm not opposed to the fact that they didn't. Yeah, so they cut. So basically, when we get back from commercial, Vince and Stephanie are already in the ring. Triple H is entering right now. He has also brought out the entire locker room. The whole locker room stand. is out here. They, they must stand on the stage and watch Triple H and the McMahons celebrate their new champion. Except for the shield just, who are playing in, in who are playing ring security. Yeah, in case anyone gets any funny ideas. Mm. Uh so out they come, and Vince is all proud of Triple H for doing the right thing and for seeing the light. And then there's a big old hug between father-in-law and son-in-law. Aw, dad. And then Triple H in honestly a, one of my favorite promos he's ever cut. <laughs> Yeah, I, okay, he basically just starts kind of, he does an extension of what Stephanie was doing earlier at the beginning, at the beginning of this episode, and is like, he's like doing this weird, like, towing the corporate line thing of like, yeah, no, I like Daniel Bryan, I think he's a wonderful little technical wrestler, I, I respect him as a worker, He's a great guy. I consider him one of my friends, but he's just not 
good for business. Uh, okay. Like, right. yeah. I have, okay. So, like, I, I, I am going into this arc. This is my mindset for this arc, is that I feel like Daniel Bryan's chase with the authority is to millennials what Stone Cold and Vince was to Gen X. Yes, and yes. My thought, and I will give more thoughts on that when we get deeper into into Daniel Bryan's part in this story as we go on. Uh, when I, I have very, I have different comparisons to make point, but Gen X, it has commonly been said about Vince and Stone Cold. It is basically this Gen X fantasy of like blue collar worker who don't give a fuck, who gets to drink beer, say whatever he wants, and kick the ass of his stupid, shitty boss. And every fan watching that show could live vicariously through Stone Cold getting to beat up his stupid, shitty boss. Yes. And and Dan, this story feels like the millennial version of this of the way you look at the way the boss is played out here and it feels like this like i hope i hope i'm not trying i hope i'm not pulling a david and putting put in giving too much credit to uh the themes and writing of this of this section <gasps> wait here. we might be on the same page here please please but it bring feel, it home it, okay it feel this promo felt like Vince Vince is almost like this cartoony caricature of what an evil capitalist is. He's mm-hmm. so obviously evil. He, yes. Like, mwahaha, I am trying to fuck my employees over. And he was perfect for the villain of the 90s. He was, like, he was. That's where the culture was of, like, you know, it's it, we're, coming, we're coming out of Reagan and, like, people are generally discontented. Mm-hmm. But everything's still, like the general public understanding of like what the fuck is up is, is a little like kind of black and white. So it's, there's, there's mm-hmm. not as much nuance that's been injected into the discord. Yeah. And, and I am also to preface this, I'm not trying to portray one is better than the other of what no, I'm about no, to not say. At all, not at I all. am just, I am just contrasting how they are portrayed differently. And I mean, you and I probably because... connect a little more to the lat to, to, to the more modern sure. one. that's catered right, to our but... generation, but yeah. Sure, but it's not. This is. I'm not about to say like Triple H is better because it's more. There's a subtler take to it. I'm saying it's different because it's a subtler take. But mm-hmm. Triple H feels like a subtler, more sinister, more real look at what an evil capitalist looks like. Triple H is out here basically saying fucking the consumer and his workers, and he is saying he is doing it for you. I am doing it. I am benefiting you i am i am i want you to thank me for it because i am doing it in your best interests yes yeah baby yeah this is basically my exact thought process of fucking triple h is out here towing the corporate line and like this almost kind of reads as subtle brilliant commentary about like a neoliberal corporate culture wherein like they like, because Triple H, and, you know, it's funny, it's kind of weirdly fucking reflective of the real-life situation with the differences in McMahon leadership versus versus Levesque leadership. Because, fucking, like, he, he's out here, like, putting, uh, 
putting a friendly face, a friendly smile on the front of the company he, and saying he, care, he, he care. cares about all of his employees. Yeah, and he will say he will say wonderful things about Daniel Bryan. He can apparently not say enough nice things about Daniel Bryan and how much he respects him as a worker and as a man and as a friend. And we're all a big family here and yada, yada, yada. However, you know, but listen, it's just not, it's just not quite what we need as a company mm -hmm. right now. It's this kind of brilliant, like portrayal of, of like, the like basically the it's it's a weirdly like uh, a pithy portrayal of like the sinister forces that can lay behind a friendly corporate smile it's what what the fuck this is really yeah. good and brilliant no. holy shit I, like i i I, I, I don't want I don't know if I want to do beat for beat even though I wrote beat for beat but he is out here being like I did this for every single one of you I did it for you I did it for you I did yeah. it for you I did it for you and he 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 in the most like you don't know what you want I the corporate know what you want he is like I gate he frames screwing over daniel bryan for randy orton as giving the fans the best for them and that they shouldn't settle for a b plus i yep. am giving you an a plus and you should settle for nothing less because you deserve it oh it's so sinister god fucking wrestling dude every once in a while it's weird like dumb uh over the top on the nose way of storytelling can actually contribute to some really effective like thematic com com commentary-ish storytelling what the fuck yeah awesome awesome stuff uh but also and like Fuck, listening to this listening yeah. to this is so wild because of how like we know this was originally planning on being booked but uh, yeah more on that yeah. I guess and and triple h is but at the same time then after he's after he does his smiley of like i it was very difficult i respect daniel bryan a lot and he put but up then, a hell of a fight and fight. he deserves that is a man who he deserves just, to he, be called that champion. was his that was his quote he he says that Daniel Bryan deserved to win the WWE Championship match, but deserves to be to be WWE champion, the face of the WWE. No, you, the fans, deserve better than that. Oh my! And God. after he does his flowery bullshit, then he's like, Daniel came out here and had a personal. It said he had a personal problem with. How what happened last night? What about my personal problem? Do you think I wanted to throw away Daniel Bryan's 15-year career because he just overachieved? It hurt me. And you think I like doing it for Randy Ordinary? He's like, there's a lot of bad blood, but I buried it. I buried all of my feelings because I did what was right for all of you. And Daniel saying you have a personal problem. That is selfish. You need oh to check God. your ego at the door every week 
like I do. This yeah. is gaslighting. Anyone needs to check their ego. Okay. Gaslighting Supreme, where Daniel Bryan gets screwed over and his company is telling him that he, that if he has a problem with that, he's the selfish one. When you he's really the one think about the it. When you really think about it. It is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it great. And then Triple H is up to like... It could have been a little bit pithier, like all Triple H promos ever. Yeah. But holy shit. Yeah, like I said, kind of long-winded. But like, overall, what was being delivered there was really effective. And like, fuck. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no. So, uh... Uh... Triple H, uh, Triple H then, like, you know, beckons Randy Orton out to the ring. And so Randy Orton's music hits, and he, he comes parading down the ramp past everybody. Literally only Brad Maddox and Teddy Long are the ones clapping for <laughs> for, for Randy, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and again, why the fuck is the entire locker room out here just to watch this? It's so, mm -hmm. so weird. Especially if it's not, like, standard practice by any means. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, so that that whole song and dance happens, um, and uh, Randy comes out, hits the mic, and essentially like, "Yes, love me, bask in my glow. I am the greatest but, thing that has ever happened." But more to you. importantly, bask in Triple H's glow because I wouldn't be able to do any of this without him. Oh my God, the corporate fucking the 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 corporate circle jerk oh it's so good and then triple h in his great affable generosity is like he knows daniel bryan is in the building so he offers daniel bryan to come down to the ring and you know do whatever he needs to do cry it out so he can move on with his little career and he tells the shield to like get out of the way. You might scare him. So you guys move out of the way. And he's like, nobody touch Daniel, or they're gonna we're gonna have problems. And then yeah, and he so Dan Daniel comes out. And uh, well, I want one more thing is is then he keeps it going where he's like, Vince, you just gave me a great idea. Everyone make Daniel feel welcome. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, play his music. Play his music. Oh my god, it was so fucking eerie, dude. It's disgusting. Truthfully. It's and, horrifying. But out comes Daniel from the side of the stage. And Triple H the whole time is like, come on, buddy. Come on, little guy. Get in the ring. And as he's about to step into the ring, the shield run up and ambush him. And the, he fights off most. He fights off Rollins and Ambrose. And of and then course Roman, he gets dicked over by the Roman spear because everybody, Roman everybody him. must, must pay their dues to the Roman spear. And then the shield go for the power bomb and triple H's like, no, no, put him down, put him down. We're going to let him get in the ring. And oh my God, Daniel Bryan is like cr trying to crawl into the ring. And the whole time triple H's like, come on, buddy. Show some guts, Daniel. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. He teased it's on, the best. Oh my God. It's taking on more and more best. of a sinister undertone with every, every word. He takes it with the best tone you use to encourage your toddler to start walking. Holy shit. It's you know, so condemning and just dripping with cynicism. 
Yep. So, but Daniel eventually gets into the ring. He stands up right there. RKO immediately. And the show goes off the air with the McMahons and Randy Orton with their arms held high, celebrating their the new champion and standing over Daniel Bryan's corpse. Holy shit. Yeah, so this was fucking wild at the end of it. It's so wild to me, like, seeing them play this angle like this, because this is so, like... This is so in your face with like, this is the big corporate world squashing the indie little guy who you all love. They're setting this up as this like major David and Goliath story, except like, it's weird when you know that they were not planning on booking him to actually get the title out of this, which is so weird. Like they set up all of this. And they were just going to end it with, and yeah, he actually doesn't get the title. Like, and they're, and it's other people like the big show and John Cena and Dave Batista are going to be the conquering heroes. Which like, I guess this show is kind of like not your typical, like corporate hero. Like he's not like supermodel tier and he's like, he's, he's of a, bizarrely large stature but still like he still is like a big giant beefy boy to be a to be like a power man at the top of the company fucking uh fucking db like he's just got none none of that whatsoever but like they're setting this up like this is the thing for him to surmount this is the great evil which must needs be like must needs be proven wrong like, this could be uh, Austin McMahon 2.0, but they weren't planning on booking it that way. So why the fuck were they playing this up so much, Austin? Just because they needed a really good uh, a good story to go a couple months. You know, you get but, Dan... run Daniel's the hot iron, so, you know, we'll run him through his couple of months, dude, establish a new top heel regime... And then we can have the real stars take care of the bad guys. Dude, the ultimate irony to this is that, like, WWE kind of, like, when when the pipe bomb happened, right? WWE, Mm -hmm. like, basically wrote itself into a corner by creating a hero of systemic change at a time where they just were not planning on actually really implementing any systemic change. Here... They gifted themselves a token of systemic change on a silver fucking platter without needing to change a lick of their corporate culture. All they needed to do was crown Daniel Bryan a uh, WWE world champion for a substantive amount of time. And all of a sudden they create like they, they can actually follow through on a hero of systemic change. Again, without mm-hmm. actually having to change anything behind the scenes, they give themselves something that has a hell of a great appearance as like a, a, a harbinger of new beginnings in the company. And they just weren't going to take that. They, they created themselves another pipe bomb situation, except they only put themselves in a corner because at first they just kind of, didn't feel like going through with the obvious boost into this story here. What the fuck? 
I'm, I was going to save this for, I think, another episode where it felt more prescient to bring it up. But since we're kind of talking about it right now, um, I feel like it's, it's, it's easy to say that Daniel Bryan, based on the fan reactions, should have always been the intended hero of the story because nobody was connecting with Daniel quite as much as anybody else, the same as anybody else. Uh, I would also argue purely from a literary analysis perspective, it only could be, this story could only work with Daniel because yep. this is a story, you know, Pete, like it's commonly cited about how he's five foot eight, 200 pounds. He looks average, right? Usually as a form of a criticism, because in wrestling, the average, av average people are so usually are so easily cast aside. Yep. right oh yeah um at people who look average yeah the thing is like though Robert. is for this particular story it works this story of a corporate structure trying to force what they want what they believe is best on the consumers instead of letting the consumers make their own choices about that screwing over your own workers and telling them that they are better off for it this kind of story the hero of this story works best when he is average because yep. he is someone the audience can see themselves in Absolutely. in this exact same spot in this exact same story now, now here's the thing daniel bryan himself is still a fucking superhuman of a wrestler holy sure. shit one of the best in the world but mm -hmm. like he's not some chiseled adonis and just from those appearances which all actually sudden, also plays in correct kind of correctly plays into the story in a different way is the part is another element of this story if you want to use some real life part is the concept of a meritocracy and how much it's complete horseshit mm -hmm. and it's kind of so perfectly aligned here with randy orton who is very good but also literally only is in the wrestling business because he uh flunked out he was literally kicked out of the marines and but don't worry his daddy was a wrestler so you know he's got an instant in in wrestling and will always have a place in wrestling yep. as opposed to uh daniel bryan who had to had to wrestle in armories and bingo halls and whatever the fuck you call indie wrestler wrestling venues uh, up from the bottom and became legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the world uh, purely on his own merits and in a meritocratical uh, way, obviously, Daniel Bryan should be a champion, should be a face of the company. He worked Easily. so hard for it. But, you know, it's not a meritocracy. So not only does that work from the element of he looks like an average person, he is genuinely one of, if not the greatest wrestlers on the planet, which touches on this story in this very way of like the fake bullshit meritocracy of capitalism angle yup which again wwe would never like purposefully lampshade being run by some of the most notorious capitalists in the world today however mm. it's a hell of a good story to tell your audience and the fact that they were not going with the most obvious fucking answer to this to this like story problem that would have like gotten the audience's to go absolutely rabid and it probably see the company in a slightly better light for actually putting DB in a top spot for a substantial amount of time. Like 
it's mind baffling that they had to like basically be convinced or inconvenienced into making the obvious outcome the actual outcome of the story yeah and that's going to be a reoccurring element for the first couple of episodes of this arc uh but eventually we're going to obviously hit the point where it's like okay they are this intentionally up setting up right yeah. i they can see why they the try to game. i can see why they try to claim though that this was all the grand plan because if you look at it without knowing you it feels you like see, it would be right yeah it because it's so fucking blindingly obvious that a toddler could figure out this story structure. Like, mm -hmm. it's not hard to pretend that this was the plan all along, but knowing that it's not is deeply funny to me. But it yeah, is. I guess more to discover for the future on that. On that yeah, so we are going to be taking a time skip for a few months in the future next time as we kind of examine another thing I feel like worth bringing showing here. Mm -hmm. uh, but for now, that's clo we've closed the book on this section. This was pretty much here to be like a set up the stakes and players episode mm -hmm. for this long-term arc. Everything else in between was mostly fine, but hard to be hard to care about, especially even knowing that we're never going to come back to this point in time so like the cm punk curtis axel stuff was a big character beat but we're never we're never coming back to that storyline ever oh no i'm heartbroken do you see the of devastation course. sorry to hear that but yeah the stuff about daniel bryan the stuff we were here for loved it 10 out of 10 amazing incredible stuff so that is for this time next time we are back in uh, the we are back in the Coliseum home video releases. Oh no! Oh God! What do you got for me this time, buddy? This time, I think it's time that that's time. Let's be a little more straightforward. All right. What what if what if I was but a dumb child who wanted to see more wrestling matches? Oh, a hey, bunch of that, different I think that wrestlers. Literally describes me. I am but a dumb child who wants to see more wrestling matches. And so, thankfully, the WWE had an answer for that. Let, next time, we are going to be watching a super tape from Ooh. the Coliseum home videos. Super tape. That's like Superman. As a dumb child, this is exciting to me. Of course, the super makes it better. Absolutely. That's how it works. It's simple math, people. Come on. Yep. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. Dear friends, thank you for once again listening to yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you here. Uh, first of all, hey, returning listeners, viewers, what have you, thank you so much for listening, watching, as always. We are so grateful that you have once again welcomed us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you use to consume our content. Thanks for being here. New people, hey, hi, how's it going? Thanks so much for being here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you are brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the bullshit, we hope you've had a great time with us. We hope you want to keep having a great time with us week after week after week. If you would like to do so, but you're not entirely sure how, well, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. It's a great time. Give us that sweet, sweet interaction. Uh, and hey, check out all of our playlists. Uh, Austin has been kind enough to follow, to, to, to 
organize, pardon me, all of the arcs and storylines, etc. that we follow into their own separate little playlist, so you can follow some of them all the way down without having to jump around a whole lot. It's a great time. But of course, oh, and of course, you can see our lovely faces too. We got our, we got our HUD and all the secret little visual gags that we hide in here for the people who deign to look at our beautiful Daniel Bryan tier faces. Um, but of course, if you are a fan of the audio only experience, we have you covered there as well. You can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which would be Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Come check us out there. Listen to us. Download us. Rate us. Review us. A nice little five star rating if you if you if you're so inclined, and maybe a nice little review that tells the algorithm and other people, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Maybe people should listen to them more. I don't know. I'm just saying. Either way, we hope you can join us on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, or on Apple Podcasts to listen or watch the News and Knockouts podcast. But of course, on top of that, we have social media where you can interact with us. Ooh, ain't that exciting. First and foremost, of course, is our Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Noobs and Pod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Pod on Twitter. It's a great time over there. Come check us out. We, we post memes, we engage in discourse, we put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode, so you guys always know what the hell's going on. And of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting every Wednesday night at 8pm on TBS. We are watching AEW Dynamite. I'm so fucking excited by the time this episode drops. The new uh, uh, re-aestheticization of Dynamite will be unveiled. It looks sick as fuck. I, 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 I have not watched. I will not be watching live. Haven't watched since the brawl out. But Austin, I Austin will be a watching. stubborn little boy, even though Tony Khan's cooking up some good shit. Let me tell you. I keep hearing I miss some good shit in the, in the post-all-out uh, AEW world. But yeah. I will be watching this new episode. And we'll have comments on the new aesthetic that I have not seen because I haven't been watching. I, 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 I'll have to show you. I, I saw the AEW Facebook page put up like new cover art that that's mm-hmm. like the new aesthetic with all the with all the the, the, the belt holders and the like. So I'll have to send mm-hmm. that to you because it, God, it looks so fucking sick. Um, so yes, I'm so excited. Uh, every every Wednesday night we watch in that good old AEW Dynamite at 8 p.m. on tbs i'm tweeting out my shit doing doing having having a grand old time and and when i'm feeling when i'm when i'm feeling up to it when i have the time when i'm feeling kind of spicy i will also be live tweeting friday nights at 10 p.m on tnt of course what else aew rampage having a great time over there uh and of course on top of that uh austin though, though he is not currently following down uh any weekly shows on a regular basis he is kind enough to so diligently follow and live tweet all of the major companies' pay-per-views as they happen. So, my friend, what is on the docket coming up? Sure. So, on Impact Wrestling, we have Hard to Kill coming January 13th. That's Friday the 13th. Spookity, spookity, spookity. Oh, uh, baby. Next next week, I will have a more thorough analysis of the card on, on hand. Absolutely. Uh, and then on the on January 28th is the Royal Rumble. Oh, hey, I might be watching that. Yeah, who knows? We will see if Sasha Banks shows up in AEW in like eight days, and you'll God, have your answer. Damn it. Well, maybe she'll be there on, on Wednesday is like fucking Soraya's guest she will, in the she front will not row. be there she will not be there because she will be in japan on wednesday 
for Wrestle true. Kingdom. This is true. This uh, is true. So, okay, so uh, the we will have and the Royal Rumble so far. We have the Men's Rumble, the Women's Rumble. Thirty men and women enter. The winners will get world title matches at WrestleMania. Uh, in addition, uh, we will have Bray White, Bray Wyatt, Bray White, Bray, Bray Wyatt. White. Versus LA Knight uh, in a Mountain Dew pitch black match. Um, ah, what it is? It is a match to cross. It's a cross promotion, as you could guess. Yeah, really. Uh, for, the re- for the return of the Mountain Dew pitch black flavor. Oh boy, because that's the kind of soda I like to drink. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's my soda. Co- how I like my coffee black uh uh we don't know what the rules of the match are yet uh hopefully it is not a match where they fight in the dark because that would would be hard to see uh i'm sure bo dallas will have nothing to do with that match sure sure but hopefully next time next week we will have an answer for what are the rules of the black match and then stuff. for AEW, March 5th is their next pay-per-view. Revolution, Revolution. going to be a hot minute on that one. Absolutely. It'll be it'll be a good fucking time. It's always a great time over on the Twitter. If for some reason you love listening to two of us ramble about wrestling, then you'll love it over on the Twitter. Our voices carry over pretty fucking well, I think. It's a great time. Check us out at Noobs and Noxpot on Twitter. But, of course, you want to get in super direct contact with us, hey, we got our email address, too. Ain't that nifty? You can email us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. Dot com. That's noobs, the word, and knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say hi to us there. Tell us what you think about the show. Request things you want to see us talk about on the show. Uh, tell us our, our hot takes are based in red pill or yell at us because we're stupid. Whatever it is, start discourse. Just say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockoutspod at gmail.com. And of course, finally, you can also find us on Patreon. Hey, we got a Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. The link for that is in our Twitter if you can't find it on the search bar. Uh, it's, a, it's a good time over on the Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Shout out to friend of the show, uh, the sugar daddy, Kyle Smith, for his contribution. Enjoy your perks, buddy. If you want to enjoy your perks along with Kyle, check us out on the Patreon. Maybe, maybe drop us a buck or two. Noobs and Knockouts podcast on the Patreon. Link is in the Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.